Today's chat is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash FFC. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player, this is a great alternative for keeping up with the monthly Focus Fire book club. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 106 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on October 27th, 2017, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Justin is actually still working on getting a steady connection to the outside world. Uh, I believe he is making some progress with that, but just in case we want to really check on, check up on him, be sure to send him some more snack love over on Twitter at JustinSane0516. Mm. Mm, I had an idea on that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we've been sending him snack love. Are we going to send him not... actual snacks? No, 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 no. We talked about that last week, but it's not safe to send out an address because you know how his mail gets like stolen and stuff like that. We don't <laughs> want to do that to anybody else. But he's moved, so so his right. his, his his neighborhood friendly alley dweller is no longer a problem. <laughs> right, but you know, I was thinking there's a uh, particular Brony movie coming out here pretty soon. I think we should send him some uh, brony love over on Twitter this time for My Little Pony. Because, you know, Justin loves his My Little Wait, Pony. There's, a, there's another My Little Pony movie coming out? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What? Uh-huh. I found out about this today at work because this is the water cooler talk I, at my work, apparently. It's gone too far. I, but wait, hang on. This is what constitutes as water cooler talk at your office? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my life now. Green, it's weird. Green, do we need to have a conversation about maybe the workplace being an unhealthy, <laughs> unhealthy situation <laughs> for you? If bronies are the work, the... that's yeah. I do have a supervisor who ha- is a devout Dark Tower fan, so I okay. think I'm okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because that's right. Uh, and I did finally finish Wizarding Class, so that's I good. know, you were so happy. You sent me a message about how you were like, oh, we'll finish this as long as Rhea doesn't come back. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And two then minutes short, later. Two minutes later. I am doing this. That would be good timing, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh... Man, well, from the depths of the madness-inducing mind maps, as you guys can hear, we are joined by our favorite Gunter, the one and only Green Eye music lover. Green, hope you're doing well. Are you uh, looking forward to tonight's chat, or are you kind of apprehensive about tonight's chat? Like, how how are we, how are we gauging the interest of tonight? I'm okay. It took, t- like, 12 pages worth of notes. Yeah, that's what week. I was, as, as I'd say, you so. you're, you're talking about how you're on page two of, of 12. 12, mm-hmm. So I think I think I'm doing well on the uh, starting to understand all the things, but honestly, a good portion of the note taking was going through and finding new terms or new things that we haven't had before and writing them out. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. That's true. And I mean, I guess in line with talking about crazy note taking um, habits, you know, 
our guest co-host spotlight or joined by the grizzly bearded lore Matt. You know, I'm kind of sad because I meant to actually get a uh, Fusro Da sound clip for you, <laughs> Beard, and I completely dropped the ball on that one. Either that or I was going to play the Skyrim uh, theme song because oh, apparently, wow. apparently we are uh, dragons that argue. Um, okay. But, but how are you doing tonight? I like it. <laughs> I'm doing well. Um, better than I was actually... Uh... Last week, believe it or not, but I'm I'm doing much much better, uh, especially after I got done venting, uh, mm-hmm. uh, as some of you guys know. But no, I'm doing uh, I'm doing very well. I'm excited for this evening's chat because, as you pointed out just a little bit ago, yes, I have a very bad note taking habit. Uh, <laughs> I I think I, I think I have in total. 30 pages mm-hmm. of stuff, I think. I, I think it is, if I remember the, the math correctly. But around that much that I have right now for just the stuff on the raid. Uh, not counting the prestige, because I actually haven't dug uh, into that at all. I uh, haven't had a chance to really look into that gear too much. But just the stuff from what we have with the original and what we have with the Golden Invitation, this stuff mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. And the not to jump too far ahead but like rule and the fulminator are mm-hmm. easily two of my favorite characters oh, in the backstory yes. of this game mm-hmm. oh my god the fulminator especially just because the well we'll, we'll get into that we'll get there bit. but just the implications but, oh my yeah, god the the implications of the the few shadows that we do know about I, i'm almost tempted like if we ever do because they had the slight retcon of the the uh pre, was it the prestige armor or was it just regular yeah. raid armor? It was, it, the no, it was which prestige. Which is prestige, which actually kind of made me sad because one of one of my favorite shadows was actually uh, Feltok, the skull yep. piercer. It was like, man, yep. he coined the term uh, traveler spawn, or something. Yep. What was it? Was it was it traveler spawn? Is that what it was? What I was like, oh, yep. that's no longer canon. I can't I can't call myself the traveler spot anymore. He also talks about how the best bet is the 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 pile of spent bullet shells. It's yeah. like this makes me really interested in the clips because they're entire and well and then and we'll talk about this a bit. But I think if we get those back, I really think that you know we should have a full episode just on the shadows because it would. It, it would seriously be a huge shame if they like don't have something on uh, what was cut out from those because, quite frankly, I think they were more interesting than some of the bits and pieces that I've heard of the the prestige stuff. I was like, why would you cut this? Where where are these guys now? What yeah, are you I'm using hoping them for? I'm hoping that it's to to make a f- fuller involvement of them later down the road i mean we know well and i guess let's run through the intro real quick and then we're going to get into the shadows so we'll talk about kind of where we what we do know about the shadows here really shortly but real quick let's run through an intro get some get these house clean notes out of the way and then we'll jump right into it our topic for this week's chat is going to be a look at the emperor's hit list Before we jump into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes to run through. In our last chat, we discussed War Mines. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well as helping us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, 
in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian 1, Ghosts and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny 1, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny-focused podcast, Paragon Radio. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on The Collapse. Be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know what topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at Focus Fire Chat, or within our Discord server. I've asked Green to put together a high-level summary of tonight's topic, and this is what she had to say. 8. The Emperor's Protector who did it in the name of the man he used to be. 7. The Scientist whose cultural status was erased once all were freed. 6. The Celebrant who paints a smiling face on the Green Legionary Helm, soothing the masses with festivals designed to distract from grief. 5. The General, whose philosophy, the war is all there is, all this is just logistical support. 4. The Confidant, in which I can no longer be confident in. 3. My Daughter, whose ambition to be strong outweighed familial bonds. Two. The Roach, who survived when the old guard was ruined. One. The Arch-Traitor, the vessel of the poisoned thoughts given form. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about the Emperor's hit list, however, let's look at this week's Lost Lore. So the Lost Lore topic that we are going to talk about this week are, I guess, are the Shadows <laughs> of Kallus. Um, I guess is the Shadows? No, are the Shadows of Kallus. Mm. Um, and mostly the the ones that we know of is are the three that we were kind of talking about in the intro. The first one is the Fulminator, which is... So there, there's... Let me let me back up again real quick. Shadows are basically <laughs> described as a multi-species enforcer group to for Callus. So these are basically a group of different entities or individuals across the species of the Cabal Empire in which Callus has made sp- specific bribes or threats um depending on the different species to be honest uh to actually engage the the um, services and loyalties of these individuals. And these are individuals which generally are the elite figures of um, of their in their respective species. Uh, More powerful in other ways. 
Yeah, well, and I mean, like, and it's mostly, most of them are like, yeah, I mean, and it's it's usually, usually it's it's someone who is above average. Um, he doesn't, and the shadows are viewed as the sword of Kalos. Um, and so, and so, and so basically, and we were kind of talking about this in chat a little bit with the Fulminator, uh, which is one of the shadows and the Arcborn. And in every situation, really, honestly, it's kind of a win-win situation uh, because even though he's kind of blackmailing them in a way, um, Kalos is getting what he wants and the the individual shadow in their own agreement with Kalos is getting what they want. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not always... It's not always a bad thing either. Sometimes some of the shadows are actually basically mercenaries. Um, yep. I'm looking mostly at the clips. The clips kind of strike me as the mercenaries. They don't really tend to. I don't. Compared, I don't know about you, but I view the clips, the species of the clips, similar to the Trandoshans from Star Wars. Yes, I was going to say something similar to that. I, like I just, they, the, no, they definitely fit that bill. Definitely. It's just it just that that to me is what every time I read about the clips, that's what I was like. I picture that that and, giant lizard figure. Yep. And and if not that, then like the the basic ideas maybe of the of the Mandalorians in a way yeah. too. Yeah. I like can they're see almost that. a mix between the two of them. Just the the overall figure that they have, but then their their feelings are. I think it's more granted ones of uh, ones of necessity than it is of full philosophy. But yeah, we'll we'll get there in a second. Yeah. So okay, so the known shadows, which are current, so the known there are two actually two groups of known shadows. There is one that's officially in game at the moment, and those are the three. Uh, we have the Fulminator, which is a female Arcborn. Uh, we have Rule, who is a male Clips, and then we have I just blanked Jerus, who is Jairus, a male Sindu. He is an Ace Defiant of the Sindu, which is apparently in one of their. Well, I think he's the only Ace Defiant, or he's the last Ace Defiant, uh, which is basically yes. the best pilot of the Sindu are an aerial species, so they are a species who specialize in aerial combat. And so the mm-hmm. best of their the best of their pilots is is identified as an ace defiant. Jerris was the last ace defiant. Callus actually kidnapped him or captured him somehow. Um and basically it it kind of almost feels like Jerris was actually brainwashed. Because uh, there's a couple mentions of his mind being burned out, um, mm-hmm. but so those are, those are the main three figures that we know of. Now we know that there are multitudes of shadows. Uh, there there's several of them, and there are actually three that we <laughs> quote know of that are not in game currently. And this was kind of one of the little little retcons that uh, Bungie did to the raid armor, and those are the Fallen, so there was actually a fallen shadow who went by the name of Secrus, Baron of Shanks. There was a, another Clips, which is actually my favorite one, which is Feltrock, the Skull Piercer. And then there was a Cabal, Valus Nor. Now, if I remember right, Valus Nor is also mentioned somewhere else, 
but it's not specific that she is a shadow in the dimension. I want to say, I want to say, Nor was mentioned in one of the other species invasions, but I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. But they, they were um, attributed to the prestige armor, and then basically they. They cleaned their names off of the prestige armor along with the quotes that were attributed to them and made the prestige armor um, a little bit more generic uh, for regards to the Guardian getting it. Um, the prestige armor now, if you read it in the specific order, which I think we'll, we're going to talk about later in this episode, but if you read it in an order, it's actually kind of more of a letter to Gaul from Callus. Um before that, when these three individuals were still attached to that, they were the quotes mm-hmm. were very much more individual about those particular entities. So, right. um, Beard, where do you want? Which one do you want to start with? Oh man, um, are we? I'm going to say, do we want to start up at the the Cabal booklet, or do we want to go with the? Well, which one of the shadows do you want to just knock out real quick? Oh man, let's go with rule. <laughs> okay, rule. All right, you want to you want to walk us through who rule is that we know? Uh, yeah. So if we, I guess, just an overall summation, or do you want to read? Yeah, let's the... just let's just do like okay. an overall summation because like because I, I think we'd like be the, here all oh night if gosh, we actually read over the lore. That <laughs> yeah, the full the fulminator alone would just be like, oh my gosh, oh. we'd be here forever. So. Funny enough, Rule is on the, and, and I guess rightfully so, he's the uh, the one that we see on the Titan armor, uh, and he comes from a warrior race. Uh, long story short, when it comes to the, the Kaga, uh, the Kaga of Clips are basically on this moon that is uh, overridden by uh, some kind of noxious fumes that come from an extrasolar event. Uh, and what that means is basically their their son uh, starts giving off some kind of weird radiation rays, so on, or there is something else from outside. Uh, yes, extrasolar enemy. That's the way that it's put. Uh, thank you, Green. Um, Welcome. The way that it's uh, that is put, though, it feels like it's it's almost like nuclear war kind of rained down onto them from another place. Uh, and they have to basically start to to fight for themselves underneath these caves and tunnels, uh, and that is where they end up uh, hanging out for most of their most of their existence. Uh, Rule, however, is regarded as a gun of Kaga Clips, uh, and it is said that the gun is something that is very uh, well respected amongst the uh, Kaga uh, amongst the Kaga, and. I find it funny because of his choice in weapon being a spear. It's so the guns, the <laughs> yeah, the the gun itself is basically what they uh, I don't necessarily want to say worship, but they highly respect within their society, uh, and to be basically marked as a gun uh, is an extremely uh, there is an extremely referenced and high thing for them to be considered. Uh, but of course, with this extrasolar enemy and whatnot being blown backwards, uh, either through technology or otherwise, 
uh, that's what they basically get left with and they start to have to, to rethink everything that uh, their, their civilization is about. Uh, it basically leads to callous in a way. Uh, they start to crawl out from this, uh, from their, their caves that they're within and they look up and they see the, the Leviathan and they think, well, this is, this is it. Um, and I have to recall, because I think this is actually one of those that uh, had actually, yeah, the the Kaga had basically staged a uh, a run on the Leviathan to get to Kallus, or at least get to everything. Uh, but the idea was to basically overtake Kallus, overtake the Leviathan, and basically push forward uh, and, and take him down. Rule was the only one that got to Kallus. And because of that, with him proving himself, uh, he had basically looked at Rule and said, you're the only one that got here. Let me tell you what we're going to do. You're going to serve me, and I'm going to help your people out. Uh, and it kind of just moved on from there. Uh, Rule basically went ahead and started to uh, serve Callus, and he ended up getting sent on a couple different missions. Uh, one of which I think we hear about later on, but kind of in like a side note more than anything. But the major one is that he ended up uh, carrying uh, this wine that Callus had actually uh, produced that everybody on the Cabal homeworld wanted. And I the name slips in my mind right now of what the homeworld is, but I know we now know it. Uh, um, good. Uh, it's a T1. Yeah, I'm going to say if I, I slip through my yeah, notes, I know just, I'm going to see it, but... As well. Right. Um, but taking these wine barrels to... Tora Bottle, thank you, uh, in, in chat. Thank you, Dancing Guru. Um, the biggest thing, though, he takes these wine barrels, and his biggest complaint is that he doesn't want to go on an errand mission. He <laughs> wants to go and basically have a warrior's... Uh, a, a warrior's death or do something to that respect. Uh, so Rule gets ticked off by this. Um, he ends up going ahead and finding that there's one, uh, and, and it's kind of a shame because it's the, the one, I know you, you probably have it listed here on who it was that ended up dying. Cause I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. Rule, Rule actually ends the, up killing two of them. He kills. Uh, yeah. He drowns. No, 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 no. I'm gonna uh, say rule. Rule drowns uh, the confidant, and, yes. and he he pours he pours like poisoned wine down his throat, and it's basically right drowns it. Yeah, and then and then that's when you see him with the harpoon. <laughs> yep, he finds the celebrant and like throws his harpoon into him, and basically jet skis behind him while he's right. like running through the city, and like. It's like the description is just hilarious because basically all the cabal are in. It, well, they're here for a giant celebration. It's Resignation Day, I think. Uh, Molly yes. Moly is technically Adele. Adele Molly Moly is the celebrant. Um, but like all these cabal are sitting in the square, and the the Moly just runs by like screaming bloody murder. And Roll is. I'm gonna attached. say I've got the reference here. I can yeah, read too. If he's you like want. attached to him by the harpoon, yep. like skidding behind him, and it's like no one knows what to do. Like they don't know if it's mm-hmm. part of the resignation day, and they don't. And uh, he actually does get his. 
Yeah, the Warrior's Paradise. Emperor's um, Paradise. Because Moly runs to the feet of Gaul before he, he kind of collapses. And Roll mm-hmm. basically is like, okay, well, I can either finish the job or I can, you know, retreat. And he stabs the celebrant in the neck and then just... I, I kind of read that as Gaul actually kills him. Like, yep. I, I that's how I read it. I don't know if it was meant that way, but I was like, that's kind of like he kind of was like he smiled. Uh, like, I, Roll was, ah, uh, it's amazing. Well, I'm gonna say, and he said he had just enough time to pull off his helmet and smiling Gaul's right, face right, before yeah. he was killed. And and to me, that almost sounds like he. He props himself up on top of Moly, <laughs> looks right into Gull's face with this huge lizard-like grin, stares at him. He goes, yeah, I just did that. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> like, the, the picture that they paint with that is just oh brilliant. Roll, roll is one. Of, he's like, the, the, the shadows have, like, this attitude. And like mm-hmm. rule, rule definitely personifies the militant aspect of it. But yeah. oh my gosh, yeah that that entire that entire scene with Molly running through and Roll just kind of like oh. skiing behind him, like it just. I was reading it. I had to read it like three or four times because it just cracked me up. Well, and I know we're gonna get there with the confidant, but it's also funny how uh, Rule's ideas end up uh, saying that he. Uh, or how Rule killed him, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. The confidant's whole idea was that he actually had uh, given the the brief summation before we get to him in full. He had actually given Callus uh, T, uh, mm-hmm. and that was the thing that he had basically sold to him. Yeah. Uh, but now at this point, he's he's giving him poisoned wine and just drowning him in it. And it's like, here, this is like tit for tat, basically what you did for me. Uh, and it's just a, like a, a perfect way to basically send that uh, part of the hit list off, either intended or not, by rules, uh, by rules ideas. If he did follow the guide, I think he just wanted to go ahead and cause some mayhem. I think that's all that it really came down to. Yeah, because I to mean, rule. the other the other thing is, is I think I kind of took for rule the entire point of this mission was actually to take out the celebrant because the celebrant yes. he was supposed to assassinate on the day of his invention was, which was the resignation day. And I think because right. I, I seem to remember he like he stumbled across, like he basically like I don't think he meant to run across the confidant. But then, like, he did, and he killed him, and then he turned around, and Moly, like, walked, like, he, it was this, like, massive ball of just coincidence, basically, for Rule. Yeah. And he just, he he took it and ran with it. Like, it was just, it was beautiful, the way that that, that entire thing I, Either that or got dragged with it, one of the two. <laughs> but, yes, that's where, that's where, if he, if, like, if you see him, like, a Trandoshan figure, that's where it gets even right. funnier. Because yes. <laughs> well, and I think, uh, and granted, I don't know if he can, like, throw something in with the uh, with the, the podcast notes, too, but I think uh, Gamma Trap had done a fantastic job of drawing up Rule. I don't know if you'd seen oh, it on okay. Twitter. Uh-uh, I haven't seen it. But it's, it's, it's a really, really good representation of him. Uh, and I, I think that it kind of uh, presents it well, but like you were like you were kind of thinking just Trendocean like in a way, but a little bit more slender. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and a little little bit more like hunched over. Like it definitely came off as this like full lizard warrior race, and I think he did a perfect job with it. That's nice because I, I mean, like it definitely seems that the clips are smaller than the cabal. I mean, just mm-hmm. the way the way that it explains like he him getting like again him getting dragged. He kind of like seems yeah. to climb up on Molly so that he can stare right. Gaul in the face. Like it it definitely. But and and so then and then actually using that as a segue, another species that we know are are kind of more slender and smaller than the Cabal are the Sindhu. And this yep. is this kind of brings us to Jerus, who is the Ace Defiant, which we actually have a suit of armor, the suit of armor similar to the Roll suit of armor. We actually have the Ace Defiant armor, um, mm-hmm. and the Ace Defiants are really kind of fascinating. Like, and it, like Jairus's story. Okay. So like Roll's story is all about might and just like blunt, you know, blunt military force. Whereas Jairus's story is more mental in, in a way and more like finesse, like, which kind of makes it, sense it, as, as a pilot. It kind of feels like one of like partial subjugation and mm-hmm. one of uh, effectively just kind of sitting back and like waiting and biding your time. Uh, it, it's like you said, one more of like finesse than it is much of anything else, uh, especially when you start to like dig into the, the Sindhu. Because on a note of the race, they kind of feel like they almost like go around in a flotilla. I I almost get that sense more than anything because they spend so much time uh, in the stars. And to me, it kind of feels like they're an entire uh, species that do just just hang out up there. And that's how they end up increasing or going along with their uh, piloting techniques and how they fix them, etc. But Um, the... uh... I was going to say the a really good example of the finesse that Jairus kind of exhibits is actually in his uh, killing of the bodyguard because mm-hmm. uh, so, so Jairus is, is basically subjugated and it's almost like we, we see Jairus in a contraption that seems similar to the one that the speaker is in with Gaul. Uh, yeah. And then like, so like Jairus wakes up and this is kind of where you get the sense that he was actually kidnapped. Um, and then basically he's, he's presented with all these gifts and he's presented with all these like presents and calluses treating him very, very well. Uh, and so, and then there's this hilarious argument between Callus and Jairus about, uh, the palate of the Sindhu. Mm-hmm. Um, where Callus is basically telling Jairus that he doesn't know what he's talking about, and Jairus is like, you know, well, that's nice, but the 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 wine or the the drink was made for Sindhu, but he can't taste. So, and and like you get this, you get this again, this repeated kind of thing that Jairus is is almost is almost robotic in a way like he he's gotten he's gotten everything that kind of makes him alive kind of almost burned out you actually have a comment about how uh the ace defiance brain or mind was burned burned out in order to be the helmsman of the the leviathan and then you see the scene with jerris and i think it's sheotet i think is how you pronounce that one or the bodyguard And this is where Jairus has basically shot down the bodyguard ship. Um, 
and he he's like there's just this, like this amazing kind of last minute duel where Jarrus basically stabs him like i mean he he basically mm-hmm. full on energy blades him to the face um again great great read on that particular assassination again also kind of keeping in line with the the booklet which we'll talk about here in here in a few minutes um but it it again shows that even though Jarrus is kind of um more finesse than rolls kind of Jarrus is like the needle to roll sledgehammer. Jarrus is mm-hmm. still really dangerous. Um mm-hmm. and then Jarrus also we also see well let's let's talk about the full manner and then we'll talk about kind of the 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 end of the shadows that we know of currently. And do you I know Beard you're you want to talk about the Fulminator? No, I'm going to say I'll, I'll do that, and I've got one other thing that I actually oh, okay, want to okay. cross-reference with you on the uh, the ending to the Ace Defiant and kind of get your feelings on it. Um, I think it's on the boots of... Um, is it? Shucks. So at the end of that uh, sequence where him and Callus are talking to each other, Mm-hmm. When he's he's done uh, killing Shyatet, uh, it says oh, that yeah. his ship kind of uh, blasts with like red light and everything. Uh, I kind of want to get there once we start talking about the daughter a little bit, but yes, I almost yeah. think that I, the okay, I, we're yeah. thinking the same. Well, okay. because again, again, <laughs> going off and and we're gonna, I'm, I'm definitely, we're definitely gonna talk about this because this was a big, this this was actually a big contention point in the chat is we have the confirmed deaths of three of the booklet entities. Yes. However, I will put forth the the argument that it is very probable that all of the booklets entries, except for at the at the start of the campaign, all booklet entries except for the consul and Gaul are already dead. Um, mm-hmm. is my is my argument and i think that's a very probable thing and there's there's a couple things we'll t- we'll talk about you know once we get done with the mm-hmm. lost lore but um I, I i do agree and i the reason i i think that is because jarris is a pilot and the booklet mm-hmm. specifically calls out the daughter as being the only time that you're going to reach her is when she's happy she is a star pilot and she's only happy mm-hmm. in flight and who right. who better to take out a pilot than the best pilot you know, one or one of arguably the best pilots, maybe even in the universe, that was right. Jairus. Yeah, to me, I feel like these three have taken out like two each. At yeah, least. I kind of, I, I kind of get that. I get the sense of that as well. Like, I, yeah. I really do. Hey, well, we agreed I, on something. Yeah, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I find super, super interesting about these assassins is the fact that they are not cabal. They're the mm-hmm. assimilated ones that oh, yeah. he couldn't necessarily trust the, his own cabal to well, do that. And that's where that's where actually I would I would I'm I'm that's actually one of the things that makes me sad about the three that they kind of took out was because one of the three that they took out was a cabal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and I think that I don't get the feeling that like it's never express, expressly stated that the cabal aren't allowed to be shadows. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, cause they, they're, uh, you know, and again, we're going to talk about fulminator. One of the fulminator cards is where we get the description of the shadows as a, as a multi-species enforcer group. And yeah. like 
but it never it never says like no cabal like it, it's not like you know the subservient species it's it's literally multi-species and that kind of to me kind of does include the cabal in that in that grouping and we know with valis nor it's not canon currently, but it was in there as she was one of the shadows. And so, mm. you know, I, I kind of, I don't know, I, I get in green, I agree. It's it's interesting that the majority of the shadows that we see are actually not Cabal, but I think that also goes to prove, or goes to show um, Callus's view of inclusion uh, which you mm-hmm. which we'll we'll talk about a little bit when we talk about the scientist. Uh, you know, the scientist is a really big example of how Callus super interesting. Yeah, how Callus uh-huh. views. It's not that he views everybody as equals, but his view useful. Of, yeah, his view of everyone has a role to play. You know, I think is kind of the best way I would explain Callus's kind of view of everything. But yeah, I mean, I I see what you're. I I definitely do kind of find it interesting that the more warrior esque assassins are actually not the cabal; they're the clips. Mm-hmm. But um, talking about someone who is a very accomplished warrior who who has uh, an electrifying ability, uh, <laughs> you want to talk about the fulminator a little bit, Beard? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the Fulminator is where to really honestly start with it outside of the fact that it's like either lost out in space or within a, a space network. Uh, they they let on this illusion that the – not even illusion, but they give these hints that they're basically a race full Arcborn for one thing, which is it's super interesting. Uh you end up putting any kind of like ethereal type race into the mix and then base them off of elements that we otherwise can tangibly use as powers right now, which is incredibly interesting. And I want to touch base on here afterward, but the fulminator uh, herself is actually like reached out to from this uh, and captured in this pod. And then basically was given the uh, idea to basically say, Hey, I will allow your species to continue on as they are, but I will give you specifically the ability to go further than that. And what I find interesting is that she has this big space that she can already go in, but all she wants is more. And then to even give her species more, it is that doesn't seem to be the case with this one. In fact, her species is so against her being brought onto mm-hmm. the ship mm-hmm. and and so adamant about the fact that she's brought onto the ship uh and so in, in if i'm remembering it properly they were like trying to pull her back in to make sure that she didn't go uh and then callus ends up giving her that ultimatum like hey if you do it you want if, if if you do what i'm telling you to do you could go wherever you want to and i'll make sure that that happens and in doing so gives her this uh gives her this suit of armor that allows her to control these arc forms in a different mannerism and it's i almost do want to say that it is the fulminator's armor that we get from the the raid uh that that is her armor and it's a, a it has these arc locks on it that kind of temper her abilities but if she releases these locks 
all of a sudden, even in normal space, she's able to float wherever she wants to. Uh, and this becomes super interesting for the simple reason that she actually uses this against uh, her her biggest target. I forget if I actually have it written down or not. And I'm terrible with doing that. the the Praetor. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. It does remind me of Alcard and Helsing. That's that's a very good point here. Yeah, it just well, it's just uh, like whenever because whenever she starts attacking, she's like, I, I just I have this picture of like master unlock eighty percent or you know whatever, and it's like confirmed and yes. So the full nader is the anime character. Like I just yeah, me. I'm gonna say either that or soul bad guy from Guilty Gear. I'll take that one too. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. Uh, but she, uh, what I find super cool about all that they're tying into it, uh, she gains this knowledge of what a Stormcaller is. Mm-hmm. She is related to a warlock's uh, ability to utilize Ark, and she is super excited to actually get out and meet one of us, to actually like see what it is that we are. And the question turns into what would she do? If she knew what we were, if she ended up like realizing what we did and how we utilized Ark, and there's this whole other civilization that's out there that otherwise can like come in now and see how we use those powers, how would they act? And that's the the thing that like really grasps the interest of the Fulminator, along with the fact that the counselors, the the scientists of Callus uh, grouping on the Leviathan, uh doesn't have the ability or, or didn't figure out ex, uh, exactly what her power was based on. Uh, if it was actually something that was uh, based on light or based on dark. And to to not know exactly like where that power stands is also this, this big air of mystery. So now you've got this interest that she wants to know what a guardian is in terms of utilizing arc and being able to almost like, at least with like a warlock and how we use it. Um, and then being able to, to harness those abilities, even in normal space and then to, to unhinge herself on that final battle when they actually get onto the, uh, command ship or the almighty is just it's so fantastic to listen to that she ends up burning her spark out like that it's just incredible and i know we want to talk about that at a, a slightly different point here but she she's able to float she's able to move wherever she wants to she is probably one of the highest implications of like different uh to to this point outside of Maybe the Storm Joys from uh, the Books of Sorrow, because we don't 100% know what's going on with them, uh, of a different race that kind of exists. Uh, but yes, the Harbingers, I was I was just going to say that, the Harbingers pulling from the Void that the Queen's able to use, we know those. The only thing that we really don't know too much of is like if there's some kind of solar entity that's out there. Uh, you could just kind of, I guess, point at the sun or something, but that's the, the only other thing that I could say. Um, but no, Fulminator is so, so interesting. So mm-hmm. interesting, which, what she implies within this universe. And then to kind of wrap the conversation on the shadows up a little bit, let's, you know, well, you kind of mentioned um, their assault on the Almighty. The battle. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so this is where we, of the ones that we know of in game, so Rule Rule has died on. I just blinked on the name Trobador. I want to call it. I want to call Trubidor? it a troop. Yes, I keep on calling it a troubadour, but that's not what it is yeah. at all. Um, so rule rule dies there on resignation day, and I kind of get the feeling it's... that this is this is a concurrent attack that kind of happened right after, which makes me think that maybe Gull was kind of pulling back onto the Almighty from that assault, because I think if I remember, this is me trying to remember correctly, but I th- I got the feeling that the assault on the Almighty also took place on resignation day because they knew mm-hmm. that was where the ship yeah. was going to be on the, the um, parade. Right. Wasn't that it was how definitely they kinda... a, it was a holiday for sure because well, they there wanted... was something I thought it was, I'm I thought sorry. I'm trying to remember, but I think it's in the fulminators thing that they mentioned that it is the, the parade of the resignation day parade. And so yeah, it's actually on the robes. I'll just I can read it off here real quick. Yeah, go for it. Because she was a scout for everything. Uh, right. She made other reports to Callus uh, pertaining to the locations of Red Legion armories and fleet movements. He only cared about one. Now that the military was in power in Callus's absence, military parades on Cabal worlds were commonplace. Gull's flagship would take care uh, would take part in one such celebration. On Resignation Day, in the fringes of the Soul System, in honor of a mythic praetor. So it does at least point out that she was uh, at least knowledgeable of Resignation Day and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I would uh, wholeheartedly agree that, yes, I think it was all uh, uh, a full attack to make sure that it was uh, that it was all coordinated properly. And so what what basically ends up happening is kind of what in my and this is just kind of my again my kind of understanding is roll roll makes the attack and kills the confidant and the celebrant gets killed uh and then in turn gall and whatever go back they they probably finish their their thing on the the planet they go to make their way on the almighty and then Jerus who remember is the ace defiant he's the pilot he literally takes a ship and rams it into the Almighty. Uh, and so mm-hmm. Jer- Jairus dies. Jairus is a suicide run by Jairus. And the entire point of the suicide run is to deliver the shadows onto the Almighty. And so then basically Jairus basically punches a giant hole in the Almighty, opens the doors, lets the shadows out. And one of the shadows is the Fulminator. The Fulminator is on this final assault. And this is where she just a hundred percent just throws the locks off, uh, mm-hmm. and she goes she goes full arcborn. I guess I don't know. Raiden, arc, arc Nova is kind of what full I thought Raiden. it was. Yeah. yeah, Raiden. I mean, like, Raiden. It's, it's just. I mean, she she basically becomes an arc storm is the way it kind mm-hmm. of is described, and she's just incinerating every everyone. Um, and she actually manages to make it to Gaul and picks him up. And then she is, there's this like, there, you know, as she's fading, she doesn't have a confirmed kill on Gaul, which obviously, you know, we as players know that that, that didn't work. Um, but, mm-hmm. but it does kind of feel like this was, this was kind of in place right before the campaign starts. And I almost, I almost kind of want to say that some of the that scar scarring on Gaul that you see on his face and stuff, I think that's because of the Fulminator, 
because that was yeah. immediately my first thought. Like that's how like, he got the mask. That's how, that's how he got the mask, it, and like, well, that's the whole okay. thing. No, go for it. it well, in, it, in yeah, totally. I mean, it could be. It'd be great mm-hmm. as far as like storytelling goes that that's where he got those scars from. But also, he was an orphan who was picked up and who was kind of just fl- fighting like a gladiator. Yeah, I was gonna... for years and years and years. So he could have gotten scars, and he was also misfigured according to some of the cards, right? Well, he was. Well, he was he also was listed as a runt too. Yeah, he was a runt mm-hmm. albino. And the the uh, the explanation of the cabal is that they um, they they throw out the weak. Mm-hmm. It's very Spartan esque. You yes. have to prove yourself, type thing. But I don't know. I mean, the card where we first see him as an orphan fighting in the Callus's not callous, uh, consoles, little gladiator thing. Mm-hmm. Isn't it's just, okay. I think some of those scars could very well come from that. Oh yeah. As far yeah, as yeah, his yeah. breather, I would say the breather could be from the Arkborn for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause when your lungs get singed, you go Darth Vader. Yeah, 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 I know. It's a little on the nose for the Darth Vader type. I still think Gaul is just a grown up grunt. It's, oh god, seen, that's a terrifying. Have, have you seen the meme? I, they told me I could be anything when I grew up. Mm-hmm. I decided to be a <laughs> boss. <laughs> so you know what I want to see? I want to see somebody in the computer side, on PC side, make a mod for when you kill Gaul at the end. Uh, he does the birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Someone make that happen, please. I would be so grunt, happy. Grunt birthday party for Gaul's death. Yes. That sounds fantastic. Oh my gosh, that would make me so happy. Mm-hmm. But okay, well, you know, let's let's kind of transition then. Let's talk. Let's move into the conversation about the 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 hit list. But okay, so yes, Green, as part of the Focus Fire Chat community, you might notice that we have a monthly book club. Uh, we are actually going to be voting, I believe, this weekend for our our next book. There's uh, one particular topic on that book listing that you really should vote for, um, and that's my choice. Um, And as many of you don't always have time to sit down and read, a great alternative can be found over at Audible. So as part of this, the FFC team would like to offer you a chance to try that alternative out by offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to the service. All you have to do is visit www.audibletrial.com slash FFC. And you get a free, and, and I think it's just for the new, the new, new accounts and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, all, it all gets explained on the site there. But um, and that is that is rather on the nose for this particular weekend because we are actually voting for next next month. But okay, all right. So let's let's jump in to let me let me run. Should we run Lorebot or just? Mm. <laughs> Randy for Justin. Okay, Randy for Justin. Randy, hashtag Randy for Justin. Lorebot 2.0 activated. Query received. Interfacing with expanded database directory. Response received. Displaying on screen for review. All right. So the first question that I think we should answer is who are these people? 
Anyone? Anyone? Well, Bueller? Do you were... Bueller? Bueller? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what, what were you going to say, Green? Well, I was just going to say, do we want to go through and go with the ones we know most readily to the ones that we don't know? Or do you want to just um, go in order of the invitation? I have them listed in the order of the invitation, um, just because that's kind of the, to me, that kind of was the easiest way to list them out. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, to me, it feels like the most of the way of importance to from like Mm -hmm. most trusted to not, if you will. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, sort of. I never never saw it that mm, way, but yeah, I can kind of see that. The confidant, Mm -hmm. though, is out of order then, in my opinion. Well, and that's where I think that 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 kind of places everything, because then, you know, Gull, the consul, and his daughter would be in higher order of trusted uh, nature than what the confidant would be. Mm Because the confidant was, um, now here I am jumping ahead a little bit, but the the confidant was just a guy that he got his tea from and he entrusted a lot of information with, yes. But there, there definitely was an a a true listing there like it didn't i didn't get the impression that the cut i really should just wait before i do this because it's like a five minute conversation let's yeah let's shut up we'll talk (laughs) because i have some strong feelings about the confidant as well we'll get to him here yeah Um, Yeah, i feel like we should just go in the order yeah let's just go in the order of the booklet okay Mm -hmm. and so So, do you want to do with the summary real quick green the summary is in like my summary or the like a quick just like yeah just like a summary of like who are these people like in general not not who is into any particular person but why mm-hmm. are what what is this listing and what is what is the, their relationship is the, yes. to the emperor yeah because i know that was a question that we had a couple we saw a couple of times in chat mm-hmm. so the first one that we get an invitation for after the initial introduction is the bodyguard, Lictor Sheotet, the Emperor's protector. Mm-hmm. And he is what you would most commonly think of as the bodyguard slash, what is it called when they're the ones who take the, the eat the food for the king or Wasn't everything tasters. like that? Yeah, yeah I just couldn't remember if there was like a special name for him or not, but that's basically what he did. He constantly was putting himself in harm's way to make sure that the emperor wasn't getting poisoned or attacked or anything like that. He took lots of bullets for him. Mm-hmm. He was one of his most trusted people. The Are funny you... thing about... Hmm? Sorry, I was going to say uh, a food taster or a cup bearer. That's it's, what it's yes. called, cup bearer. But a cup bearer is Which just, I think is... It's just uh, wine. Like, it's just a drink. Right. So, like, yeah. a taster is usually... Uh, the, the taster is like the food, and then you usually have like a, sometimes it's the same person as a lot of times. There's usually the same person, but mm. yeah, unless it's poisoned, then they're dead, and then you have to get a new person. And this thing just happens over and over. Well, that's anyway, where, that's where you get the really fun one of you make the person who gives it to you drink it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, the thing that I found interesting about the bodyguard. Lictor, besides his name, which reminds me of too many bad movies, um, Mm. is that he actually had a very remorseful reason why he joined up with the, I guess you could say the resistance to the emperor, the conspiracy group to the emperor, because he did it in the name of the man that the emperor used to be. 
which I think is kind of telling in a lot of ways as far as what the emperor was like prior before he just got to this point where he was so bad of some way that the bodyguard was like, I'm done. This is not. Sorry. No, go for it. Uh, This is where my thoughts on Callus in a way started to shift. I, I started to kind of think about like what, uh, Callus was even talking about, like, yes, I am doing this for what the emperor used to stand for. And for me, the way that I read that was when Callus was first put into rule, uh, and not, not that rule, mind you, um, <laughs> but the, in power, uh, he was, he was somebody that the people looked up to. And I, I do see, I, I was looking earlier at the, the map here and you do have like this, uh, small background of like real world similarities to Callus, And I think this is kind of where it plays in, uh, in, in my mind, he was somebody that, uh, seems to have been very focused on the people, very, uh, very knowing and very connected with what was going on with them. And then suddenly something changed within Callus or changed within the people that he worked with. And that's not necessarily clear, at least mm-hmm. from what it is that I read. But for me, it seems like there is something that changes him, Callus. And a lot of the people end up uh, starting to look at him as, well, you were this great person. You handed out a lot of stuff. But now here we do see, and I have it kind of listed in my notes, Callus also hoarded loads of cabal goods. Mm-hmm. Could this play back to his uh, delusional state where he thinks he hands out a lot of stuff where he seems like he is very connected to uh, the people and he really wants to do what's right to them. And again, it kind of plays back to this idea of what used to be uh, within like other uh, Roman uh, Roman rules. And the one that I had always related it to and uh, I, I immediately went to to blue for this one. I was like, does Callus sound like Caligula? Mm-hmm. Because he also has this connection where Caligula started as this this great emperor, and he was somebody that basically uh, did a lot of very good things. And then within like I think it was two months time or something, yeah, the records had started the state. Fast. All of a sudden, he ends up changing, like, uh, on a whim. He does a complete 180, and they almost feel like he's possessed by a demon. So mm-hmm. this this connection starts to basically say, hey, Callus is now not exactly this guy that we might have thought that he was. Um, but then I, I do see that uh, Blue has this other relation here, Constantine uh the ninth and i'm gonna butcher the last way uh name of it but mano uh machos i think that's yeah that's probably about where i would have gone with it so that not that that, not that that reiterates that's the correct way to say it as (laughs) as green will be more than quick to Uh, point out no i'm i'm good i'm not i'm not great when it comes to roman style pronunciation so i'm gonna say i would think it would be either mano machos or mano makos one of the two He was. Mm -hmm. I would probably uh, lean towards that. Yeah. I mean, and and so Monomachos was. uh, He he was a Byzantine Empire, or Byzantine Mm -hmm. Emperor. Gosh, Empire. He was over the Byzantine (laughs) Empire, Um, but he he was a very similar. uh, He he was similar to Caligula in a way, but the thing that kind of stood out for me for Constantine as opposed to Caligula is that Constantine was. 
he was he oh, he was big on the purge of his uh the the individuals mainly the military before him and mm-hmm. he was also very mm-hmm. very much a hedonistic emperor mm-hmm. uh which which is to say hedonism is like basically the the love of pleasure over pretty much everything um, he was not very the Caligula pleasure. was much different. Yeah, well, definitely. yeah, yeah. Caligula, yeah. <laughs> Caligula was all. I mean, well, and it's Ro- Roman emperors. Kind of, this is kind of part. That, and that was their mainstay. For part God's and parcel yeah. for, right. the, for the job. <laughs> but, um, but like Constantine or Monomachos was was very, very much noted as a pleasure loving uh, individual. But the other fun thing about Monomachos was he was also prone to really, really violent outbursts. Uh, mm-hmm. in regards to this like paranoid fascination or suspicion of con- these people ha- all having conspiracies against him. Like mm-hmm. he was obsessed with the fact that people were plotting against him. And that often translated into these random purges that he would just like enable, like he would have hit lists basically and just like wipe people out. Like he, he was just, he was convinced that this was happening and Caligula, Caligula kind of later kind of started unraveling towards this. But the thing about Monomachos was, like, he wasn't in, like, I mean, he was, but he wasn't, like, this bipolar insanity that you kind of saw with Caligula where there was, like, this shift. Mm-hmm. No, no, Monomachos was always this way. Like, he was always like this. Um, so, like, he, he was just, it was an interesting, he was an interesting figure as well. But that was kind of the connection was the the purge that he enabled right um, right after he was put into place, uh, which was like and then like he uh, he also had this general um, who he gave an immense amount of power to who basically abused the power. And I mean, if you ever want to if you think soap operas are interesting, go read the stories of emperors because they make the most convoluted soap opera simple. Like Con and Constantine's is just that way. Like he, he was, he, he was fighting political and military battles on multiple fronts throughout the entirety of his reign. And he was doing, he was pretty good at it. Um, but he made a couple mistakes and that happened. Um, but yeah, and Caligula, like Caligula made mistakes because he kind of lost connection with reality. Um, mm-hmm. And well, what, how did our conversation round out with that? I think I ended up saying <laughs> lead that. Pipes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say um, <laughs> funny how that worked in those aqueducts. Oh, those aqueducts were so well made, except they lined up with mm-hmm. lead. It made sense. Okay. Yeah. It just made there's, sense. There's so totally. many people who have died because of lead pipes. <laughs> Rest in peace, <laughs> Beethoven. Um, no, but okay, don't even okay, start so, me on lead poisoning. Yeah, there's some so, fascinating trivia points about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as like Callus, when he rises to power, the reason why he that I kind of feel like he rose to power is that the Praetoriate, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a little yes. bit more, especially as we get later on into the list. That we're going to get back to soon. Um, Praetoriate were very controlling of the populace, like mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. taking from the populace, like the military was everything. And 
Catalyst helped put a stop to that. Like he got rid of the old Praetoriate, where what we know of, the only one that is left is uh console, or at least was left. What do you think, Blue? Um, I was gonna say, like, so to kind of respond to that, uh I the console is not the only Praetoriate left, just to clarify the, there. The one uh, that we know of, right? Well, but you I mean so well I guess okay, let me make sure. Because the bodyguard and the general were both Praetoriates. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there were a number of, there are there are supposedly a number of individuals who are quote unquote controlling Gaul, uh, who don't have control over Gaul anymore because like there's, if you read the uh, letter that was put together through the prestige armor. Callus calls out the fact that they thought they could control Gaul, but Gaul was stronger than they thought, and he kind of took the reins out of their hands. So mm-hmm. it kind of makes it seem like there is a potential, <laughs> I hate doing this, but there is a potential cabal of the old guard. Um, and that is oh. using the, that is using the oh. dictionary definition. I, I didn't, and I don't, I, I don't it mean is, to yeah. do it. I mean, I don't mean I to do that. But it, it literally that is the best word for what this is. It's a secret society of the old guard that is literally plotting against Callus, uh, which is a cabal. Um, but so, like the, uh, and I mean, so there's that. The Praetoriate was also. It's it's interesting too because I I almost get the feeling that Gaul was part of the Praetoriate, like when he Gaul was, wasn't around though. Or no, sorry, not Gaul, not Gaul. Sorry, Callus. Callus was a member of the Praetoriate because um, I actually completely disagree with that. Well, because when you see the 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 end of the military elite, the Praetoriate, when you see mm-hmm. the end of it, Callus marches with. Uh, he leads uh, a group against him, right? Well, but he walks into the senator's hall. Like, he walks into, basically, the Senate, and he says that he's, he's dis, like, basically, he's dis, uh, disbanding it. And he's like, no, you're you're done. And that's when they, like, all charge their fusion rifle, or their rifles, they, they or line rifles is what they call them. Uh, they charged mm-hmm. him in perfect unison and, you know, like there's this whole thing. And then he's like, he also says that like, while he is disbanding them, the Legion, the Legionnaires could have just bombed the ever living daylights out of them. And that's one of the things that he mentions when the bodyguard, he's like, the bodyguard stood by my side that entire time. Um, and I, I kind of get, you know, kind of going back to our conversation with the bodyguard. That's kind of where I see the difference in Callus is because at that point, Callus had a backbone. Like Callus was like, yeah. right. he stood up and he was like, you know, I, I, but I get the sense that he was like a younger member I think of the he was, Senate. Yes. Senate. Yes. I don't necessarily think the Praetoriate because in my well, mind, the, the Praetoriate, it's the it's same the thing. The Praetoriate is the military side, but, but it's not because the legionnaires were not allowed to be citizens because one of the things that Callus did was he allowed the legionnaires to become citizens before he started dispersing the Praetoriate's riches among the citizens, which you learn right. from mob justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when he when he started being like, that's when he started calling the Senate members up to the, the days that he was sitting at, and he was like, he basically would tell them, okay, I forgive you. You know, he, he had this huge, like, this is kind of the, the, the Roman emperor 
you know, thing. I forgive you, but you're going to have to walk out of here without your bodyguard. And, mm-hmm. you know, he threw them to the masses, and that's where the, the gun, the mob justice, that's what it's talking about, is he's like, oh, I forgive you, but, you know, the people that you've wronged all these years, you're going to have to go home. You're going to have to walk through them and have fun. And then he'd throw them to the masses. And you have, like, this, like, picture of, like, these mobs just, like, ripping jewelry off of these, like, you know, wealthy individuals and you know and it's it's a very very powerful thing and but i i got the feeling that callus was a member of the senate which basically means that he was a member of the praetoriate and he turned on them and he turned on them because he viewed what they were doing as supposedly quote unquote wrong now anyone who deals with politics in general knows that that could be just nothing more than a a you know a shadow of play of smoke and mirrors to get support, but it worked right. And he, he did, he overthrew the Praetorian, he threw them out. Um, and then the whole thing with, uh, the consul happened, which we'll get to in a, in a, in a few minutes, but so he removes the Praetorian from control. And so this mm-hmm. is kind of going back into the story of callus. Now, the other thing to remember while we're walking through all this is this is the story of callus from callus's point of view. So right. it is it is inherent it is going to be inherently biased. Um as as you've probably kind of picked up, there's a lot of things that Callus says that are just kind of like, eh, yeah, but um so Callus removes the Praetorian from the control. He distributes their wealth among the population and basically promotes a more relaxed period of the entire empire. So like the Praetorian mm-hmm. controlled the legion um through basically a rule of like iron iron law. Like it was, it was just complete military control that the Praetorian ruled through. Callus almost kind of presents this kind of uh, Pax Cabal, I guess you could call it, um, where it's this kind of this this golden ecumen concept, which it it, it isn't, but it was presented that way. Um, and you you see this also in the strain between Callus and some of these conspirators. And you also kind of get this idea that the old guard of the Praetoriate are still around. And that kind of goes back to my comment about I don't think the consul is the last of the Praetoriate. I think that there is several that he forgave. Like, he forgave and they're still around because that was kind of his thing was he was he was so forgiving. He was the imperial, you know, mercy and, you know, all this stuff. You see that with well, the I scientists. Would have to... Yeah, I would I would have to find it in the the weapons, and I cannot remember exactly, but it does feel like the uh, console has a bigger place, a bigger part to play in all of it. So I mm-hmm. think that's why he wanted to throw the console out specifically compared to the others. But well, otherwise, and the, the console too. Yeah. There's a there's a there's just such a fascinating um, uh, parallel in the story of the mm-hmm. console and the story of Callus, like the way they treat mm-hmm. each other. It's, it's almost like, I don't, I don't, I get the feeling that they're equals and they're, you know, like they're, it's a game of chess between the two of them. Right. Um, so anyways, Scien- and, scientist, or we're going to be here on this all day. I yeah. Think. So I was going to say the Praetorian, <laughs> the Praetorian stage a coup known as the midnight coup against Callus and depose the emperor. Um, but because of Callus's popularity, again, kind of going back to yeah. that Roman conversation, because of his popularity, the consul and Gaul both are 
not very confident that they can pull off actually killing him. So they basically present it as, okay, he's going on a vacation. And they put him on the Leviathan mm-hmm. and ship him off. Um, mm-hmm. And so then Kallus is trapped on the Leviathan. He's got, you know, he's basically in this b- big funk. And the Leviathan, Leviathan literally hits the edge of the universe. And so, and Kallus manages to wrest control. The, the Leviathan was on a predestined path. And it couldn't go further on the path, so Callus basically used that opportunity to take control of the Leviathan again. Um, he also experiences something at the end, uh, which green your sword uh, that you just got. The it stares mm-hmm. back, kind of as a mentioning of, and then basically he turns his entire exile into the means of a revenge against these conspirators, the main ones, which are the hit list right now, um, and so that's where we kind of go and that's and then the hit list is kind of the recounting of the history and the reason why he's so pissed at these individuals um beer do you want to take the scientist real quick sure so the scientist itself is interesting in the the fact that we start to learn a little bit more about the scions uh it's the first major piece that we start to hear that there is uh freeborn scions because otherwise, to this point, we've known that they've been slaves. Uh, they they serve the Empire for one thing or another, uh, but they otherwise are just used by them. We also start to learn about this machine that focuses their psionic powers called the Oxa machine. It's literally just spelled O-X-A, so who knows if it's a, an anagram for something or something else. Uh, but it is just called the Oxa machine, and it allows them to kind of peer into... Uh, either history or be able to focus their powers that they have of, again, psionic capabilities. But the the scientist is weird because she basically was questioned by Callus as being this, um, yeah, kind of similar to the, in, in chat, Blue says, uh, similar to the FWC machine in a way. Uh, and I, I highly agree with that. I think it's 100% very similar to that. Um, but it is interesting because the scientist has this uh, kind of side thing that goes on with her because she is reborn. Callus kind of questions that, and he says, well, I'm going to go ahead and just open up the uh, the wellspring and let the scions be free. And she's not okay with that. She's like, I want my standing to be different from the other scions that are here. And so we start seeing this this thing, like we had mentioned earlier with Callus where he wants equality or at least to a point where he understands that the usefulness is there of this uh, certain race, and especially with the new the new Oxa machine, because they had broken down the original one previously to keep the Scions under control. Uh, basically no. opening up this... What's that? It's like that was the whole purpose that they went to try to destroy the Oxa machine because they heard rumor of it, and then Callus yep. stopped the general from blowing it up. Yep. I'm going to say, and he basically wanted to go ahead and uh, change it out. I was like, Hey, yeah, why not? Definitely. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to throw in real quick. uh, uh, One thing that I would encourage people to kind of watch for with the hit list is also the involvement of the different players. Um, Mm the the especially the general 
the general is connected. The general and the console are very heavily connected to the different pieces of this hit list. Um, and this is kind of the first iteration or the first first connection that it's established here because Callus is actually the reason the scientist is even alive because the general yep. wanted to kill her because the general viewed the the scion I, I don't I hesitate to call it an uprising because it really wasn't an uprising but this this re, this revolution type thing that's happening with the oxa machine the general saw this as a threat. Now, that's very common for the mm-hmm. general, as we will talk about here in a second. But um, she actually was going to go carpet bomb the entire moon. Like, I mean, she was going to, like, just completely destroy this entire moon because of this one machine. <coughs> Excuse me. And Callus actually formally ordered her to step down and then not only told her to leave the, the Freeborn alone, but then actually extended an invitation to the scientist to become the imperial the imperial dreamer i think is the title <laughs> that he gives her yes but yeah i just yeah, wanted to say pay pay attention the the spider web is very very interesting in some of the connections and how the connections are actually formed is is kind well, of th- interesting for me and i think again that's where this this list kind of just gradually works its way up and why i think it's presented in the manner that it is just because of those tie-ins, the way that they're they're kind of presented, uh, I wish that they actually had like some kind of numbering system on the weapons to fully know the oh, order yeah. in which it all ended up happening. Because I'm we we can take like educated guesses, obviously, but having some kind of numbered system would make it so much easier. <laughs> Especially when I started like handwriting it in, and I'm like, I can't copy paste this. There's no going back. What do I do? Um, but for the last bits with uh, with Atsat. Um The notes that I have written for it, the Oxa machine is a product of the Scions. Uh, it gives them the powers to use their minds uh, for psionic abilities. Atsat stands on jealousy more than anything to ensure she is one of the only freeborn. Uh, and what stands as the difference? What separates the Scions so much? And it could just be that idea of standing within a military empire. Uh, and especially with something like having a uh, a freeborn the way that it kind of is uh, versus a a slave race or anything like that. But yeah, I uh, stand as Atsat is greed, and I could easily kind of go along with that. Green, do I don't have, have much else on on the scientist wanna... myself. Did you have anything, Green? Uh. As far as Atzat, yeah. As far as Atzat, Ot, Ot, which I always refer, I always flip those letters. By the way, so if you've been in Ozzot. chat, if you've been in chat, Ozzot. you realize that I call her Oztot. Um, <laughs> which now I have which, a Wizard of Oz, uh, right? right in I my know, head. I know. Which actually, I'm not really upset by my mistake there, but that was totally like for like I think two or three days I was typing Oztot, and I finally realized what I was doing. So I'm. Sorry, I'm not sorry about renaming. I, I pulled a Justin, I guess. That's okay. It also mm-hmm. makes me want tots because potatoes. Uh, anyway, tater tots, they're so good. <laughs> um, the only other thing that came from her, uh, I guess, call for assassination is that we have a new planet name that we haven't mm-hmm. had before, which was Brand. 
brand, right? The planet mm-hmm. brand. And it's actually a moon where the Scions rebuilt the Oxa machine. So that's about the only other note that I had that hadn't been mentioned. I'm pretty sure we don't necessarily know the the relation of that moon to the rest of the Cabal Empire, or, not necessarily. Or no, even the I, Scion Empire. It's just right. where they rebuilt it. Right. That's all we know. I'm going to say it's the only other thing. The problem is, is that there's there are other things that I want to talk about with the scientists, but it's related to the Oxa machine mm-hmm. more than it is related to the scientist uh, herself. Because mm-hmm. the scientist just kind of displays this this inequality within the scions, which I think is all the same interesting, but it's what focuses them, that, that Oxa machine that's even more interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, and I also find it interesting that I I I I just man the the entire presentation of I'm mentally correcting myself Ot Zot um <laughs> as as this like almost petty like you know like almost this, yeah. like, she's this genius that recreated this massive machine but then there's like this just random degree of pettiness I don't like, think it's mm-hmm. random at all. I think part of the reason why she even agreed to follow Callus was because she wanted to increase her standing. Well, and mm. I, I guess that's fair enough. That is that is a fair point. I, I guess it's it's not a hundred percent random. It just to me, it just is like this kind of like I don't know. It, it it kind of flies in the face of like what what we see a lot of in Destiny in this kind of like you know a lot of the villains so far, and not that. Not that the tater tot here is is not a villain by any means, but a lot of the villains have always kind of um, put forth this 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 degree of like, oh, this is for the betterment of the people, you know, like Oryx did that, and whereas whereas this 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 scientist mm-hmm. is just like, no, I want I want prestige. Give give me the mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's well, to me, it's kind it's of struck the... me as odd. It's a we're also seeing it from a, the outside perspective that is Correct. not herself. Correct. All the other enemies, we are getting it from their own perspective. So they can spin it however they want, whether it's Oryx or Callus uh, or anybody like that. They're going to paint themselves in the best of pictures, whereas True. right now we're getting Callus's image of Otsot. That is very true. And I, I, you know, yeah, having having listening to you say that, I am reminded that, yeah, that that is a. That is the truth. That is true. Um, I don't know. To me, to me, it it, it also makes her character just more three D, and I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. I really appreciate I that. Um. Well, do you want to talk about? Let's see. Who do we have next? The celebrant. 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 Yeah. Cele- Never mind. Um, nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Get out with you singing. I know. So, it's like it's like all the singing that I okay, had to do last how, week. How do, you, how do you how do you say how do you say this guy's name? Adel. Okay, that's not or how I, I say. Adile. You said Adele, and I'm like, it's not Adele. <laughs> We're not going to be singing "Rolling in the Deep" here with this guy. He's not a crier. Now I, mean, I the, have. The... Uh, the you mean full he's name Adil? You mean Adil is not how saying, I see it? He's not saying hello from the other side. If you you could do Adil, 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 Adile, yep. I mean, there's it depends on where you put the emphasis, but it's I mean, definitely frankly, not Adele. There's no Frank L in it. 
frankly, <laughs> the second part of his name is there so is much a... more fun to say. Molly and Molly. Molly and Molly. Molly and Molly. Molly and Molly. That actually has some interesting history too, as well. You guys were it's talking about some new geographies. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, I think I don't think it was a. It, it's. I don't think it's his it place. It's or it's not a place that he comes from. It's a place that he he wants to personify. Then right. he named himself for the grand wallowing flats of Molly Myth, right? Where the bathers snack on floating oysters and the rising tide carries sweet flowers to tickle the hide. Which now I have the image of them being walruses, which actually fits really, really well. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to have to take a moment to not like break my mic. Well, that's really funny. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so anyways, as part of saying hello from the other side, uh, Molly, Molly, well, in the, in the, I guess my, my point there is that he was originally a Colossus. So again, this is another figure from the old guard. Um, mm-hmm. And this individual was one that I mean, his his hands are not clean by a long stretch. Um, mm-hmm. He he basically was responsible for the I don't even want to call it assassination. It was like execution. It was like massacring of innocence. Yeah, they legit they legit say in the book oh, is he it, massacred it innocent okay. citizen for the crime of supporting me. Of cat yeah. So the, so these. So he was he, not only did he just kill innocents, he killed innocents specifically against for who were supporting Callus. And yet mm-hmm. you see Callus as kind of again this imperial forgiveness kind of thing. And also the other thing that's interesting about Molia Moly is that he took on a new name. He completely went he went overboard in this and he completely renounced war. Uh, which is where you get the idea of the celebrant. He he introduced these, or it, it kind of makes me think that he introduced the the uh, holidays. Which I want to know more about. He the did. Tusking. I want to know more about the tusking challenge. I want to know about whale kayaking. Whale kayaking. What the, so okay. So we get we get. So not only do we hear a little bit of a tidbit about a new geography, we get three new holidays basically that mm-hmm. are in the cabal. You get the tusking challenging the tusking challenges. The resignation day challenges, which we'll we'll talk about just in a second, and then the <laughs> this is a big one: the all imperial whale kayaking. I I, this, I don't I don't this, even know where to go with this one. Like <laughs> this could go a lot of different ways. Like either they are riding on the backs of whales, or they have like these little canoe type things, and they're like racing between the whales. But, but the thing is, is like, so then you get these, okay, I, I'll be honest, I start picturing Dune, because you get these, you have these concept yeah. artists, or concept arts of the Leviathan as a land whale, right? And this, like, this just giant creature that, I mean, like, so now I'm like, I, I don't, I, my head just was going all sorts of random directions when I was reading these holiday names. But the big thing about this, oh, go, go for it, go for it. It's like, this is going to just take us a little bit more off track but luckily when you do look up whale kayaking on the google machine nothing terrible shows up so that was something i was worried about because when i was looking this up i was doing you it at braver work than i was, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, some of these things i'm like Mm-mm, nope i'm just gonna let my nope. let let i'm just gonna look at the words and think about it i'm not gonna google this um <laughs> 
Oh, man. Well, yeah, in, like, chat saying right now, we do see, you know, female cabals kind of have tusk. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think Green, you are the one that, all the tusk for the daughter. Because she mm-hmm. has, like, the random, the random tusk that's sitting in her head. Um, yeah. Well, but... I mean, they're, that's why I kind of really think they're, yes, we call them rhino people, but I really actually think they're more related to walruses in a lot of their design. But that's just kind of my... I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. But if you mm-hmm. think about it, look at how the walrus face and the tusks come out. That's how the female tusks come out, too. Well, and it also makes sense with the rolls of fat. Mm. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Blubber. Though, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, because, I mean, that makes much more sense than a rhino. Because rhinos, I mean, rhinos don't really have riding. blubber. Yeah, I mean, rhinos don't have blubber. They have massive mm-hmm. amounts of muscle, mm-hmm. though though they can't turn very fast. But anyways, um, back to All right, Celebrate. hang on. Go for it. If I ever hear a cabal go, I'm done. I'm putting the game down. So happy. We're backing away. Yep. <laughs> I'd be so yep. happy. <laughs> yes. Bungie, that please. Would, nope. Nope. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> now, instead of the birthday, like you have to get the Yay! clap in there too. You have to get the clap in there too, right? Or is uh, that just seals? Don't walruses clap? Do seals? We... Yeah, I'm gonna say seals do that too. But like, it's, all I'm thinking is like, and I know, yes, again, it is a seal, but like a cabal bouncing a, a, a freaking rubber ball <laughs> in his nose and everything. <laughs> All right, so I'm just saying, I have Photoshop, and I know exactly what I'm going to be doing yes. when I'm done. This yes. is going to be a problem. I'm, ex- I'm expecting a tweet after this. Oh, so speaking this is going to be so bad. female tusky cabal, let's move on to the general. Well, well, is- well, real quick, can I can I touch one last thing on the celebrant? Mm-hmm. Um, we know We know that he was killed by Roll. We talked about that in the Shadows piece. But the other thing was the reason why the celebrant is on the hit list um, is because the celebrant is responsible for maintaining the the public's happiness. So basically the bread and circuses of this empire come from the celebrant. And that's a very, very powerful role, especially if that role decides that you don't need to be in power anymore because they're the ones that are going to keep the people calm during the transition period of a potentially messy transition of power, which is exactly the what ones he did. Who, they're the ones who caused the smoke and mirrors. Yeah. yeah they yeah. orchestrated. I mean, I mean, I really think, I mean, like, the celebrant is literally doing bread and circuses. Like, that's that's what it is doing. He is doing, he is putting together uh, holidays. He is giving the people things to make them happy entertain them distract them from you know it is literally what the bread and circuses in the roman empire were done to do um were was to distract people and to make sure that they were not aware of different strifes going on um and to keep them happy because if you have a massive empire the number one thing that you want to make sure is that the giant population that could really flatten anything is happy because if they're not happy, you're dead. Right. Um, and so I think, but that's that's the reason why the celebrant is on the hit list is because Callus Callus recognizes this, and he, I mean, he even calls it out. He he's the one that 
he's now i think he pre he, i think he explains it as false happiness um and yeah. that's where you get the uh you get the um part of your intro summary green the painting the smile on the legionnaire the grim smile on the legionnaire's helm um you know mm-hmm. that's ex- he, he he's doing that and so mm-hmm. but that that was just one point i did want to i did want to make sure that we talked about for the celebrant well and it p- ties kind of back towards like wh- how callus himself kind of acts in a way too because he understands the way that uh politics of the people would end up working out as well to make them happy so on uh if and an i think emperor that kinda... cannot be happy who right. has ever has a hope to be or something like that mm-hmm yeah, right along that line. But it's like, it, it's a perfect uh, showcase of like, make the people happy. Nobody's going to go against you until you end up getting those couple that you think you really trust that end up doing so. Mm-hmm. But. So, yes. And talking about people that we kind of trust, but don't need uh-uh. to trust. You want to jump mm-hmm. to the general? Did he ever yeah. trust her? Because he calls her his worst mistake. It, it was a a really weird back and forth, I guess it you could really say. Did in a way. Seem, at first, it seemed like he did because yeah. he picked he picked her he picked the general from the legions because he mm-hmm. recognized. I mean, it was it was like uh, you see again. I'm I'm sorry for all the random historical trivia connections, but it's like what you see with the Spaniards and the conquistadors. Like the transition mm-hmm. from war to peace is just not it. it it's not something that a warrior race or warrior like people raised in war do not transition to peacetime well. And Callus no. wasn't only transitioning them to peacetime; he was transitioning them into pleasure time. Like you know, like which is, it sounds weird, but that's. I mean, if you look at what Callus is doing, that's exactly what he's doing. He's he's taking a species that was geared for war and conquest and and you know this this hard well, life, and he's promoting it's... equality and pleasure over hardship, which is where the general kind of comes in. And she's the complete opposite in every way. Right. And Green, I know you had, I know you wanted to chime in on that. Yeah. I mean, the easiest way to control a population is through fear. Have them to have fear of something, and then you can manipulate them to do whatever you want. Callus went from having that fear and having a common enemy that the people also agreed on within the, like having the old Pretoria be the enemy that he could rally around everybody together to fight against to not having that enemy so much anymore because he didn't have a target. And I so I can see that. Yeah. When, um, when you have somebody who is very, very used to being, constantly in a state of slight fear or just suspicion like the general tends to be it's very easy to a to forget your place of Mm -hmm. who who you are around but also the fact that she's not exactly going to ever come around to being part of the happy-go-lucky we're having fun now time because she's She's constant war. She was a veteran. Yeah. And she's That's also basically super what I have. paranoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's basically what I have for my notes over which I'll just kind of rattle off. But she was appointed head of the Legion with weapons that can crack worlds. She only lives for battle. Perhaps the one that truly has no place in Kallus' empire, but he realizes this. Uh, and then the last one, I think, that kind of pushes on that is she fears outside forces. To hear there may only be, uh, to her, there may only be the Cabal singular race or species. She, and any time it seems like that she, even like with Scions and everything, she's very distrusting of them, and they seem to be around there for a while. Um, but go ahead, Green. Sorry, it's just it. The line that she has is the the war is all there is. All this mm-hmm. is just logistical mm-hmm. support. Sounds so much like some of the stuff we hear future war cults say. Just war because is the only constant. Right, right. I mean that kind of philosophy you can see the eventual out of hand it can become mm-hmm. in the general granted well, future world that, cult is not that yeah but it, it's it's that fine line of war mm-hmm. thinking that ends up being there it's it's a it's a difference between warmongering and preparedness mm-hmm. there is a difference between knowing that there is always going to be a constant of war as they'll state with fwc versus a i need to go out and conquer and kill everything before it does unto me you know this this whole idea that they need to she needs to ensure that she is alone in her handling of it all yeah definitely mm-hmm. super and and that's what I said beforehand too. Um, that's where I really do think that she is like one hundred percent the opposite of Callus, mm-hmm. uh, just in in how she is all about the ideas of war, all about the ideas of of pushing for that next battle. Where Callus is just like, let's just sit down and be merry. Like we don't we don't have any need for this at all. What? And that does kind of that does kind of carry over to the as Blue was saying here too in chat. Mm-hmm to the daughter mm-hmm. and that whole idea of how she would basically uh corrupt is is very interesting um and then also yes she views the world in two realms war and logistics and that's what? that's it like the brief couple like summaries that we have of her she seems cold she seems absolutely like i don't mean it as callous but she seems callous Mm-hmm. Uh, in her nature, uh, not the only one who does it. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, What's yeah, funny I, is I you said, both. I you said both rule and rule, to, okay? Yeah, yeah. But it's, um, it, it's just this interesting dichotomy between the two of them, and I think it's super cool that they ended up doing that. And then one final thing I wanted to toss in there too, and we see uh, Dancing Vru in chat's talking about it right now, but uh, there is a line that actually shows that the Cabal have run into the other races that we see yep. in game. Uh, and this one said, and the line specifically says, for Uman sees the terror, sees terror all around her, machines who cannot, who can eat her worlds, barbarians who corrode her frontiers, wizards who thirst for her soul, and worse. Um, and I mean, a lot of people who have read the, these, these kind of lore entries have kind of confirmed, uh, not, not confirmed, sorry, have connected Concluded. these to, uh, machines that eat her world, Vex, barbarians who corrode her frontiers, fallen, uh, wizards who thirst for her soul, hive, and worse, taken. Like, yep. 
that it's kind of progressively you also see those connections. So the cabal kind of have had past experiences with these instances, which is another thing that we kind of explains why the cabal don't really seem concerned. You know, like they landed in, in destiny one, you see all the, you, like they just kind of landed and they started shooting things like in, we, it was always kind of this like weird disconnect for me is like, they're not even really impressed by the Vex. Like they're just like, Oh, there it is. Shoot it. Like with a lot mm-hmm. of bullets. And that mm-hmm. kind of, kind of speaks to the reason why is because they, they know about the Vex. They've seen them. And they know, Either oh, yeah. The Oxa machine. Right. Or through conflict, like actually mm-hmm. gone up against them. Because like that was with um, the, the uh, what is it? The, uh, it's, not the, it's not the Sand Eaters. It's the, is it Sand, Sand Eaters? Is it Sand Eaters? Which is one? The, the front line. The ones line. on Mars? Yeah, the front line. Yeah. Just yeah. the Legion. Mm-hmm. Either that or the Siege Dancers between Siege the two Dan- of them. Yeah, but I mean, like, they just are like, yeah, well, kill it. Like, use use mm-hmm. mini rockets and blow it up. You know, right. to me, that always was like, you're not even really impressed by the fact this thing can, like, jump from place to place via teleportation. You just shoot it a lot, which, yep. to- you know. Totally a side thought form, completely. You're right, right. Um. But yeah, so that that was my my one thing I did want to kind of toss in on the general there. Um, she also is connected. Considering, but we'll, we'll touch base back on it anyway with with Gaul anyways. Right, right. We're, we're going to swing right back around with that. I was mm-hmm. going to say, and she is also heavily connected to pretty much every figure in the conspiracy. I think. Yeah. Trying to remember, except for maybe the next one. I think it's the only I was just one that we say. don't have quite a clear confirmation, though there is kind of a passive nod that that is not possibly true because, well, we'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, she is mm-hmm. heavily connected to the console and the daughter, mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, talking about the one person that sh- we don't really have a clear connection really to anyone else, I like this one is the confidant. And so, in green, I know I know you have a lot of kind of thoughts on this one. I want you to, why don't you lead us on this? I think this is probably one of the most interesting ones that we come up against because this is. He speaks of Iska, Iska Al, of Fantor. In such loving terms, like it almost seems kind of like a. I'm going to kill you because not only is it going to be prudent towards me because you're not going to be giving away any secrets, but also because I can't bear to see you suffer under them. I mean, that's right. kind of the line he, he takes with him, which is the other thing is that Iska is a merchant. Iska mm-hmm. is not a Praetoriate. He's not an elite per se. He literally is a merchant man that the wow oh, that Callus used to visit in the marketplace because he would go down just to make a show of visiting the marketplace and just kind of visit and buy things and stuff like that. And he would always start or always stop towards the end at Iska's little booth to talk to him about his uh growth, which I found also really interesting. His oh, growth yeah. ached. I have, mm-hmm. I have a theory on that too. And how his allergies reacted to the dry plain air. <laughs> but yeah, I mean also we kind of get an idea of the currency. Oh yeah, you guys are keep you keep saying things in chat. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> um 
but the we also get an idea of their blue. <laughs> Don't make me turn this podcast around. Sorry, Lord Mom. <sighs> so, currency. I swear I'm going to get this one out before they start uh-huh. typing again, or I'm just going to shut down Discord where you can't see it. Um, <laughs> the He pays him in nectar. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was kind of interesting that their a form of their currency may be kind of a bartering type system. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna say it seems it seems almost more like just straight up bartering than any mm-hmm. any particular form of uh, abstract but currency. He, he does have gold and stuff like that, but if you go at the end of the raid into his throne room esque where the robot Callus sits, it, the floor is covered in the nectar. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's purple everywhere. Just kind well, of like, also gross. I'm glad yeah. it's not sticky. You you mean hive jelly? Sorry. Hive jelly. <laughs> <sighs> um, <laughs> all of that. Yes. But that that yes. does that also does kind of go back to the concept of a barter system because I mean, if you look at a true bartering system, gold really isn't that valuable. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's, and, and, I mean, I know, but I mean, like, if you think about it from a bartering system, it's all about, you know, it's all about the individual worth of the content that you're bartering. And so like a nectar, a nectar would maybe possibly be more valuable than this, this malleable metal that doesn't actually do anything because mm-hmm. to a, to a, a bartering system, um, or in a bartering world, they are more concerned about what they can actually do that, you know, like you see that a lot with like livestock, uh, you know, in a bartering world, livestock is a common thing because you can actually eat or harvest whatever you need from livestock or plants. Whereas gold, it's like, yeah, you're not gonna, I mean, like you could make something pretty, but there's not, there's not real world application for gold is my kind of thought there. Any type of currency is based on an arbitrary belief of its worth, whether it's actually a real life worth or not. Yeah. So the other thing that this confidant has, which Baru said in, in chat is like possibly the reason why he's sugarcoating it or like the, it seems like the way he's sugarcoating it cannot bear the image of the tyrants pouring their poison into his ear. It's just like, okay, that also makes me think, okay, you're going to tie up loose ends, but I'm going to make it sound nicer because Uh he is the person dictating this narrative to us. Well, and I think that highly leads towards some of the notes that I had written on him because with the, thoughts in mind that I have of Callus already, where I think at one point or another he does lose his mind or starts to see things from a really like weird or skewed perspective. Uh, my notes basically say Callus simply wants him dead because he wasn't uh, hasn't contacted him. Like Iska hasn't contacted Callus, or because he carries on with his life, how is he able to know what Iska is doing here and now in terms of like feeding information talking with them or anything like that while he's presumably over on the leviathan the only thing i can figure of course is that he's still sending somebody um out back to uh torbital 
uh, if I'm pronouncing it right, to basically look over them. And obviously he's still getting information, which also says plenty about, ooh, their space travel. Mm. Wow, that's a, that's a completely side note, I know. But just thought of that, because that would mean that they're able to like go at like either full space, space full, uh, yeah, space fold op- uh, options, or they're they're going at like a transwarp speed. That's mm-hmm. that's super interesting. Ooh. Anyway, uh, otherwise, uh, this seems one hundred percent vindictive of Callus. Like he uh, could leave Iska B without further trouble. Uh, his death seems unneeded unless he truly is a spy for Gaul. Uh, otherwise, as we had kind of pointed out before, it is something that's like a preemptive move where all of a sudden Iska's going to start thinking like, well, now he's going to come after me. Uh, now he's going to end up being, um, you know, somebody that's going to go uh, against me or or otherwise. And then he starts to attack Callus with this, this fear and paranoia that may fester within him. Um, that's the only other thing that I could think of. Because for me, it just seemed like Iska would almost be too tame about it. Like, he wouldn't have minded too much if everything developed the way it did. Uh, But that was my perspective. And I think the other thing going off of what you just kind of said there, too, is it's it to me, it does seem like a preemptive strike. But it also in the context of what is happening, um, you know, he's got this coordinated attack on all these other co-conspirators going on. And Iska, we see in uh, his thing, is kind of a figure who who thinks very highly of himself, it seems. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he might be thinking, oh, Iska could be thinking, oh, this is an opportunity for me to move up. And he actually has information which would allow him to move up and do damage to Callus's plans. So while he's also cleaning cleaning out the trash, the literal trash that he sees in the conspirators who have actually harmed him, he's going to go ahead and also get rid of the potential threat of Iska before Iska can um, can do any damage to the plans. And I think that right. also kind of touches into what what in light of the other car and the other pages from the booklet, you see this like degree of almost mercy with iska mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like he's he's like i mean because you look at you know the celebrate he's like kill him kill him you know make sure that he knows that you're killing him on the day that he create you know and all, and like you know yeah. the daughter you know kill her when she's happy you know and all this stuff and then with iska it's uh it's like oh give him let let him od on opiates because i want him to die happy i'm gonna you say know, i can read it off here too because i've got it in front but uh, give him opiates. Let him die of contentment. I cannot bear to imagine the tyrants pouring their poison into his ear. I cannot let them have him. Poor Iska, he breaks my heart. I right, trusted which, him so. Which also kind of points to the fact that they don't have him yet. Yes. Which we don't know. Right, um, right, right, right. Which, if you want to talk about the marks in the book, we can at this point, because I think this is a fairly good place to start or like make enough. that conversation, since he's right. the last one to have the mark. Um, in the pamphlets that we got, well, no, the, the invitation. Daughter the, mark. the daughter has the mark. Right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot we had the daughter left. But Iska, um, Iska is the last one that we have confirmed death. Yes. That has the mark, mm-hmm. so yes. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you on that. 
No worries. It's the it's the the Leviathan mouth shape, that triangle, that rounded triangle shape with two lines in it. And the mm-hmm. Leviathan triangle is red with the lines being black. And that mark shows up on all of them except for Consul and Gaul at the end. Yep. So that's kind of a possible visual confirmation that some of these guys are dead. Possible, not confirmed, but it is it is a good thought. Yeah, it I, is what Callus thinks of it. I think, if nothing right. else. Mm. Yeah, I was get, well, and the other thing is, like, if you <clears throat> if you think of this as as what it kind of is presented as is a hit list, you know, what we could be doing, what we could be seeing is our copy in game of this this tome, if you will, is actually a copy from a shadow, or some you mm. know, or someone who is trying to follow through. Because if you read the invitation and the after words in the thing it basically says if you do all this stuff like if these people mm-hmm. are all taken care of and once gall is dead because basically gall is the last one he's like if you kill gall i'll give you an audience like well, so here's... it's it's like a it's like a um a checklist you know it's a bounty well, board basically it is but it's one that he puts out and we actually get the invitation from the emperor in game in one of the adventures. Granted, we don't get this pamphlet or this mm-hmm. information in game, but we have a invitation from the emperor mission right. side mission type thing that shows up. And the reason and why the- we get that invitation though, is because we killed Gaul. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, that goes in line with, I don't know. I, I kind of read this as I kind of read that as kind of, to me, it's just very probable that, those symbols are X's. Check marks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't, I, and, you know, that kind of goes back to Beard and I's kind of conversation about with uh, Jairus and the daughter, you know, like, you know, which, I, which we can use as a segue to talk about the daughter here. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, that's kind of where the, I, I really, I'm really hoping that that's a, a door that Bungie is leaving open for more information on the shadows because right. I, I think that Jairus, I really do think it's pretty, pretty likely and pretty probable that Jairus was the one that took out the daughter. Um, but that also leaves, who does that leave? Uh, the scientist and the general. We don't know really. We don't know. I, I, I can see the, the fulminator being the scientist, you know? Right. Um, General, I kind of, I kind of want to be Feltok, but that's just because I like Feltok. But, um, but let's talk about. You want to talk about the daughter real quick, or well, we can talk about the general's protege. Ah, the general's protege. Yet another connection in this this crazy spider web. So the daughter of Callus, which that, as far as we know, is his only daughter, mm-hmm. the one who views her own father as being weak. And so she goes to something that looks strong. And of course, who she, who does she fall kind of into the grasp as far as teachings of, but none other than the general, the, was it the Evocate general? Yeah. Which I find a fun, fun little side, side note for that guy, that title. Hey, we have more Kabul hierarchy now. Yeah. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. but she uh she's she never really enjoyed 
the palace life essentially and he knew that she started slipping away from him when she started wearing kind of the the suits that a lot of not necessarily legionnaires but the people who fight in the military she is not the standard disney princess <laughs> you had to she, work disney she, into she, the had, chat. she she didn't enjoy the palace life her her pet tiger she, had to sneak her out of the tip the palace no <sighs> If anything, she, she's Mira from Brave. Brave. I was, was going to say that, or, or or Mulan, if she had a, a mean streak. There you go. Yes, Mulan. I just, I, I just know that she wants to, to you know, be shown the world. Uh, she does <laughs> like to fly. She does like to fly. Yep. If, see, see, I wasn't the only one who made that connection. Eh, what about carpets? Uh, there's Anyways. no mention of. But anyway, is there I'm a, a genie in a bottle somewhere that I don't know about? <laughs> no, but there is a nope. bone. Uh huh. Oh, that bone! Gosh, see, yeah. this is the most interesting. See the thing implications. The yes. <laughs> what <laughs> special arrangement was it, Beard? I want to know exactly. Well, and beyond that, like you, you start talking about a bone within the destiny universe mm-hmm. yeah, and all of a sudden it's just yeah. like ah what does it mean which one <laughs> Wait, who's it connecting is it ahamkara is it hive is it somebody completely different who is it or is he it just does, a whistle there, ah, there yeah is really there <laughs> because is, i totally line. totally would love that if it was just a whistle and everyone's and it has down. to it has to be a high-pitched whistle because they're walrus people so and they go they ahead and dogs. blow the whistle and, it, it's and not, then it it's just says that, like Wait, right, right, but it's not that it summons anybody. It just forces them all to start bouncing a ball on their head, and it actually stops so, them from doing whatever they're doing at the moment. So because hang on. They specifically say that it's a horn, right? No. So now I'm sitting here. No, no, no. They, oh, it's, the, a, the, it's a bone. It's a bone. Oh. No, no, no. He's bone. talking about, Are you talking about the one on the, the, the daughter holds, or are you talking about the tusk? Yeah, the the bone itself. Like I, I thought it was like some kind of horn or something mm, like that. I think it's just um, she's, that holding, was, that was she's the... holding the bone in her hand. She mm-hmm. knows the arrangement, and as he as he raced to the throne after the and... bodyguard and Gaul kind of crashed his party, he's running to the throne to get the bone, and she crushes it in her hand. Now, and and to to me, it kind of says that like that's the signal. Gone like that would. Gondor well, exactly exactly well not only that it's literally called the signal the bone mm-hmm. itself is when i when i raised to my throne to give the signal you were there you sat on my throne with the signal in your fist and when i reached mm-hmm. out to beg you crushed the bone in your gauntlet father you said i will not be weak well, no, where I was going with that was if it is a horn and there's multiples of them, I'm just thinking of them bopping their noses against them. That's all. Just it, that, it did not say there was like a little rubber ball on the end of it. It's fine. Yes, but I'm just going along with the theme of the night here. Okay. Just just come on, Green. It's, it's okay. Come on. Blue, it's, you know, okay. Blue's new Osiris is Disney, apparently. <laughs> Because he really kind of had to work that one in there. I did not. Yeah. Have, I did not. I was do not the that. only one. Chat. Chat confirmed that they also had the same thought. <laughs> <sighs> you guys. Oh, it's brilliant. Um. But no, like, uh, 
it being a horn, uh, or not, not a horn, it being a bone, and that being the signal, though, in all seriousness, what does that, what does that lead to? Like, what, there are so many talks about hive connections, especially mm -hmm. with Oryx, within these pages, that it makes me think of some kind of darker connection. Like, Oryx came into our solar system going after Crota. And then Callus ends up picking up on the fact that Oryx is going this way. And he's like, well, if he's going that way, maybe I should follow and see what the, the big deal is and just see what's happening. And it just well, makes me think Callus, that there's another connection that way. Because anyway, Callus was also following uh, and, and not not to Callus was following uh, Gaul in the yeah. same way that Crota or Oryx was following Crota. Like right. I don't think in, I don't, in the same I way that think... they were after the traveler, but right, 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 right. And green, sorry, sorry for jumping in, in front of you. No, no, I'm just going to throw another spin foil thing out there. This is also from the invitation. I like these. I say this to you, oh champion mine, and I say <laughs> it from my heart. There are those who would bargain away their souls just to live a little longer. <laughs> Slap. <laughs> 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 well, but, but you also see you also see the knowledge of the hive from the Oaks mm -hmm. machine uh, mm -hmm. in Gaul's card or, or Gaul's page, where he kind of uses the the hive as an example of why Gaul is in the wrong. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Well, and what I and, like about it though, go ahead. I was going to say, and there's also you know three other worm gods that we haven't really heard from. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But what I do like about that uh, that phrase with goodness, excuse me. Uh, what I like about that with the the Ahamkara versus the Worm Gods, as my my spin foil continues to be, that they are kind of like one and the same. But the Ahamkara, in this respect, always will say O as in O H, where the Worm Gods will always say, as far as I know, O as in just O. There that is, is no H afterward. Oh. So for me, at least this, it's it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think that there is something that's there and why, again, that I think Callus isn't necessarily completely flipped over to the dark side of everything. Well. And I think that's where it kind of is. But again, that could be completely argued when you end up looking at it stared back. Like, it's, it's, where, yeah. do you, where do you take that? That's where I was going to actually go next is it mm. onto the sword tiny bit is the I fact that it. he did stare out into the edge of the universe and is that where callus changed if we're going to talk about his change his transformation himself mm -hmm. did he look into the darkness not well, quote, well unquote, but, the darkness, but right yeah. but i i think because i i, I kind of take the change that i was speaking about as something that happened while he was still in control political mm -hmm. yeah and political control and whereas the the uh the card that you're the the sword is speaking towards the the void that he was looking out after he had been deposed and yeah. put on and frog frog marched in his words onto the leviathan somewhat <laughs> tempted to the sword logic see i could do yeah, i could play yeah, this uh -huh, game too uh -huh, i could play this uh -huh. game but I think it's funny because of the real world similarities that we also ended up painting back because having it with uh, Constantine, 
I think is is fair on the point of uh, being on Torbital, but then what I read this as with it stared back, that's where I think that's one hundred percent where I got the the connection with Caligula, where uh, all of a sudden he changes it uh, to this idea of being like more of a, a demon connection, if you will, um, and that's where. For me, it doesn't necessarily seem like it was like cut and dry with his change, with how how Callus was kind of like put together. Um, I I've got two paragraphs here. I'm just going to read quick. But with it stared back, if relation to Caligula, this would be where uh, he is possessed by a demon? Question uh, mark. But then we have to go back to the teachings of the Void. Olentan is the best teacher and theorist on this topic. Uh, further, was it just a black space? Was it the traveler bending space-time? Was it the darkness hearkening to him? What did he see? This is a sword. Sword logic of the dark. And my immediate thought was then how he ended up talking uh, or presenting everything with rule. He ended up bringing everything on with the, the Sindhu and Vergeris. He ended up bringing everything on, it seemed, with the Fulminator, even though that was more of like a a captured idea because he wanted that power for sure. It was, uh, I started to really feel like there was this connection to sword logic after that point. And he started to embrace a little bit more of this idea of warfare, just with the way that it stared back kind of talks. And then we start seeing the shadows kind of creep into his, uh, into what he has where they have to prove themselves. But again, complete speculation. Oh, so he has a court. Yeah, yeah, go figure that. I just see too many connections to it. And I said this with, and I I know this is going to flip a little bit, but with my uh, final video with the Nine, I had mentioned how I am more open to the ideas of what the Nine have with their judgment than I am of what Callus has for us, all because of their stupid loot table. There mm-hmm. is no sword within the Nine's loot table. There is a sword within Callus's loot table. And that is something that I think is, is again, a very specific point to when you start talking about anything within the Destiny universe. Again, we could get, we could see this sword later that the Nine have, and it could completely throw that theory out the window. But for the time being, there isn't one that exists. And I, I think that's an increasingly the the more i sit and think about it the more i sit and talk about it an increasingly important part of what callus is versus this other idea of power of the nine and i will not go any further with that thought because this is going to go down another tangent that's a new episode <laughs> yeah basically well let's let's let's, get... let's console our way into the uh oh. topic at hand you want to talk about the roach oh the roach that See, we I didn't find, have to deal with uh, I, I can i crush the, it i think the roach no, is the most the most appropriate title for what console is well oh, notice yeah. something oh, too yeah. in in, oh, yeah. in the book itself there's nothing else listed for him callus had the uh, the the respect enough to list their other titles. He listed their <laughs> official names and everything else, but here he just says the console. Mm-hmm. And he, he I don't give a lick too. for this guy. Yeah. Yep. He's like, he doesn't need to be anybody else. 
Just just get rid of him. I don't want to see him again. And I, I think that's where I get the sense that they're actually kind of equals is because rivals. Yeah, they're they're rivals. And I think that's a rivalry that has been you you see this again going back to the history of the cabal that we know from from Callus and from a couple of the other items, not necessarily the booklet, but the items. Um, you have a story of what exactly happened with the consul and, and Callus, and basically what 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 went down was, con- or the Callus overthrew the Praetorium, uh, and then and this kind of goes back to something that you were saying during the confidants uh, little piece. Um, he's he's complaining about his allergies to the 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 environment. <laughs> the mm-hmm. funny thing about that is Callus made the environment. Like, uh-huh. Callus actually re, like, and I, I hesitate to use the word terraform, but he, he basically terraformed the planet, the Troubadour planet, um, into a white desert. Because he By wanted the way, to call dropping bombs all over the place terraforming. Can, but yeah. can I fix that before <laughs> we get called out in comments later? What, they're singing, they're singing walruses? No, it's Torah bottle. Toro, Torah bottle. Toro bottle. Okay. I like I like Troubadour better. I know, but we're gonna get comments about it, and ah, I'd rather what? not. Yeah, exactly. Okay, anyways, so like Callus actually <laughs> he so he deposes all these all these figures of power, and then before he holds court on on them and does the mob justice piece, he actually goes out and lays waste to the. I don't, I don't know if it's the whole planet, but it's a very very. Strong, like a very very large part of the planet and he creates this this wasteland and then has the legions going <laughs> go through and actually purge all plant i mean he he makes a point of saying he wants a desert of white sand and so he mm. makes this this just utter desolate wasteland and then has the the days that he holds court over these praetoriates in that wasteland and mm-hmm. part of the thing that he did with the consul was he he never forgave him. And this is where the, the, the idea of like rivalry kind of comes from is he never forgave him, but he didn't want to he didn't kill him. He wanted to punish him. So he actually stripped him down, sent him into the waste and was like, mm-hmm. have fun. I hope you die. But I'm not going to mm-hmm. I'm not going to dirty my hands with your filthy blood is basically the kind of the, the tone that I got from it. That's where the consul, as we kind of know from the other items again, um, that's where the consul kind of discovers Gaul as a runt that has also been kind of cast aside. Consul kind of raises Gaul and all that, which we'll talk about here in a second when we get to Gaul's, Gaul's entry. But the interesting thing here is that if you look at what the consul then turns around and does to Callus, it's the exact same thing. So the consul comes up, gets Callus, deposes Callus, frog, walk, frog walks him into the Leviathan, and then exiles him into the vastness of space. And it's like, it, and I'll be honest, the thing that the first thought that came to mind is like, that SOB just one-upped him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, yeah, you cast me into the desert, I'll cast you into the universe. And it's like, ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> curses. The difference, <laughs> the difference, though, is that when Consul sent him out, he sent them. Callus uh, was not alone. Callus right, had correct. servants with him. Right. And 
the people were not privy to the real reason that uh, Callus was cast out. They don't really view, I mean, they might view him as cast out in some circles, but he was... Yeah, that's a whole different conversation, too. Yeah. It wasn't, like, casting him into the desert, like... Right. It wasn't a public exile. It right. Was a, it was a private get-out-of-my-way. But, but I mean, the parallel... I mean, would you agree, though, that the parallels are pretty... Oh, yeah. Pretty evident there. And I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I, I see the console and Callus as being equals or, you know, just the rival. They, that was the main rivalry. Um, Two sides yeah, of the same coin. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Cause like the console mm-hmm. seems, I, I don't know. The other thing that strikes me is the console, what Callus is so vehement against in the console kind of seems like the same thing that he was kind of against with the Praetoriate. So I get the mm-hmm. sense that the console, I mean, going back to the two sides of the same coin, the console is kind of the old world way of doing things, you know, using using the strength of others to get your way. And then you have Callus, who's kind of like, no, you take it, you you take the bull by horn and, you know, you, you make your own way in a way in, in a in a certain fashion. Um, I would actually yeah. say that console is not necessarily part of the old guard in that respect. I would say he is very unique in the fact that he uses others versus but, like the general, because the general is, she is, I will do it myself. I will, we will, we will do this together. Consul is like, I will place you in the path and ha- convince you to do your own thing. But I, I would, and, and, and I, 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 I agree. I would, then go further and say that's also the difference between the legions and the Praetoriate. Mm-hmm. Because see, I and, and I think this goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning is I I view the Praetoriate as the Senate's the Senate who is controlling the legions, and the general was a part of the legions, whereas the consul would be part of the Praetoriate. So the Praetoriate was this this like this infectious parasite that uses the strength and pours the poison you know and all this stuff that callus keeps kind of bringing dredging up that's what the praetoriate was and then you have the legions who are the muscle you know the 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 main force of the cabal and who don't get any credit for it and you kind of see that in the way that the consul treats gaul as well just from the cutscenes. you know like he kind of talks down to gaul a little bit he 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 coaches it in or he couches it in terms of of respect, but the tone that he has was kind of like uh, he's commanding Gaul. He's like, okay, look, you're done. Like, especially the part where Gaul then immediately kills him. But like, you know, like the the whole thing of like, look, I'm done with you playing. Like, you've had your fun. Now it's time to to just finish the job that we we sent you here to do. Is kind of the tone that I got from the console when he's talking to Gaul, which also ties back into the the letter of Callus to Gaul, in which he makes a specific comment about them trying to them now being dragged by Gaul. They set the reins on Gaul to control him, and those reins are not they're they're not controlling Gaul. Gaul is like he's got too much strength of his own to be controlled by them. Green. The other thing that I would mention before we move on to Gaul himself, because I, th- I think we're starting to transition there, is that 
console when Callus wrote the end of the letter took or end of the invitation to kill console i sentenced yep i sentenced him to death by his own weapons which mm-hmm. happened <laughs> we did not kill console gall mm-hmm. did yeah it's interesting how so many of these figures in their own way have actually followed this this booklet whether it's almost by it's almost as if hmm. he knew it was coming it's almost as if it was destiny or an oaksa machine Mm -hmm. i would um i would go with that one before i would say destiny but then again it is the title of the game Mm -hmm. i okay so before let's do dominus gall real quick but then i want to do one like tiny spin foil thing that i want to put towards beard and see see how his brain reacts to it before we go to the very end <laughs> but i to wanted to slip away she wants to try I do. To oh i do i'm excited oh boy. uh-huh so let's do let's talk about gall mm-hmm. and it's in the in this section we actually hear about the oaksum machine a little bit more Yep. And the fact that the Cabal, or at least Callus, had somewhat witnessed the Hive's rise to power mm-hmm. and, through the Oaksa machine. And he has a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't agree with it, too. Mm-hmm. Nope. And I think I found that Wait, he, I found that really intriguing. Was not only he, does he uh, know about it, but he was like, he's like deriding it. Like, he's like, this is, this is stupid like how did you not see that i'm gonna say he basically i'll read it because it's a very short thing uh but once upon a time a small people lived on a dangerous world by nature they were petty and fearful but they strove to be better and together they overcame fear uh their fear and actually this is the second paragraph too unto these people came a king who said we are surrounded by enemies we are weak and frail but i have an answer Eat these larvae, my people, and with their strength we will rise up. Whenever anyone protested the king, the king said, Are you working with our enemies? No. Then why are you afraid of our strength? Thus the king led the uh, great people into slavery to their own fear. Gaul will do the same. And isn't it funny how I've actually called the, the, the hive slaves and been, you know, oh, yeah. kind of mm-hmm. I mean, push, they... push, push back on that one? Well, that and I just I see the hive as dealing with a Faustian bargain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's just to me that's like the that's that's exactly what the worm gods thrive off of. Well, right. any kind of bargain of power mm-hmm. is going to do that. But it's yeah. also to to kind of go into a little bit of the politics between Callus and Gaul. It's a very Machiavellian presentation, too, because you see the mm-hmm. two sides of that same coin, you know, and and it's a very if any, anyone's read The Prince, you know, from Machiavelli, you'll, you'll see this pretty quickly. It's it's the con it's the contrast between ruling with love and ruling with fear, you know, and the point here is that it's I mean, it is it is arguably more effective to rule with fear, but it's also arguably better to rule with with the people that love you because of the loyalty that that love would create. Now there's, you know, depending on which quote you take out of context from Machiavelli, he can, he can be seen as supporting either side of that. 
But mm-hmm. the thing is, is that fear, when you rule with fear, it it's a never-ending, it's a never-ending struggle. Like, it, and, and that's just the, the nature of the beast. Because when you, when you promote fear and you promote all that, there's, there's a couple opportunity, there's a couple options. And usually it's, it's terrorization of the subjects and that always breeds resistance. Like it's just, it, it always does. I would also argue that it's a kind of an uphill battle with ruling with love. Cause what oh, you're yes, really talking is. about is, mm-hmm. is ruling what type of respect you gain, Correct. whether it's through it's... coercion or through, um, I guess, impressing in some ways or like i mean it's another type of coercion but it's not a negative coercion it's more of a positive reinforcement well it's it's aligning you aligning yourself with the with their needs and wants sorry beard and and there's no it's fine there's uh there's irony in all of that too because of how gall and his constituents send callus away because mm-hmm. what do they do? They send him out in the middle of the night. They don't want the people to necessarily think that there is something going on with Callus because it would point that now there is an uprising that's happening. So mm-hmm. they want to make sure that that's not the case. And Correct. all the same, you get this level of respect from the Midnight Coup tab because Gaul doesn't make oh, eye yeah. contact with Callus like yeah. this. This whole thing is completely, I want to say staged, but at least orchestrated. And you start to feel it by how Gaul's feelings are versus what the consoles are. Mm-hmm. And the way that he basically manages it, etc. Versus, you know, Gaul not wanting to make eye contact with Callus, And that's such a powerful thing to kind of think of where... Yes, I want to send you away. I want to get you out of here. I need the old ways to kind of come back so that our people can thrive again. But I respect you and I love you because you took me in. Mm-hmm. And, and that I've... whole idea was so powerful just reading that for the first time. I think, sorry, sorry to kind of jump in there a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing is, this was a conversation we had in chat too about kind of the a potential perceived disconnect between the booklet and the weapon lore tabs mm-hmm. about like how you know there there's not a lot of explanation on the transition from gaul as a runt into gaul as a a pseudo family like we don't really have a word for it but it's kind of like an adopted child almost of of callus right. And I kind of see that, and and you kind of see that with the weapon lore entries, where you get the you get the presentation of Gaul as the the gladiator that Callus kind of grew to to use as a tool in a way, um, which is kind of Callus's way of showing love is mm-hmm. he uses you more often, um, and I, I kind of think that's going back into Callus's kind of psychological paradigm of of the world and the order of things i think he sees he sees everyone as having a specific place and a function and he just sees himself you know which is not something that's unsurprising given that he's the emperor he sees himself as Mm -hmm. the top he sees himself as the orchestrator of this giant this giant disharmonious or harmonious depending on the side you're on symphony um 
console though i mean console has very much so the kind of the same philosophy he's just going right. about it in a slightly yeah, different it's way a different, it's a different means um, to the same end mm-hmm. and the, i think that's the, why they don't showcase console too much in in that respect either because again he's kind of the the opposite of what i think Callus stands for sorry green no, no worries. The other thing I would mention, talking about the getting rid of Callus, or yeah, getting the midnight coup that happened. What is the one way that you can break somebody's heart faster than anywhere else, any other way? Leave them without telling them why. Yeah. So that the fact that Consul was brilliant enough to orchestrate that to make sure that Callus left, and Gaul was there. And that he was just gone from the people. Like the people, yeah, you could say that he went on vacation, but oh, you never yeah, explain why. Saying, yeah. Oh, he yeah, just left. Like, he just left. Yeah. Yeah. The, I see what you're saying. Right. So that's a good way to break the heart of the people once and for all to gain more control over the populace mm-hmm. as far as a po- politics side of that goes. This week has been really interesting as far as like thinking about all the ins and outs of this because there's it's a really, really well written story once you dive into like the politics of it, like what what would right. be the motives and like how and there's a lot there. And I I really like I really like this little introduction into the the campaign of the cabal because this is the most we've ever gotten about the cabal mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and it's it's again this dichotomy of showcasing like we don't know a lot of even what happened in our own city and mm-hmm. yet here we are able to go ahead and hear like what is happening on i'm gonna butcher the name again but tura bottle um and basically that like that was better okay mm-hmm. that's good True, um no <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Like, I, I, I'm actually, like, sitting here, uh, spoilers for anybody that cares for my next video, I've been sitting for the last few days and looking over all the flavor text on every single gun that has been put into Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, and I'm starting to really piece together this idea of, like, what is going on with the foundries again, because I haven't done that yet, and to know that that is one of the biggest windows that we have at the moment to see into our city is important but then to end up getting that window into what's going on with the cabal we don't have that on a lot of the other uh type uh, on the other species that we end up seeing within the game uh we we have an idea like what is definitely going on with the hive with fundament and all that but we don't know necessarily the inner workings of now what's happening with their families uh aside from like oryx we we have that very finite idea uh, we don't necessarily know, know what's now going on with the Fallen outside of the, the split caste system that's now happening and the split house system and now who it is that is basically in charge. And we only have it right now with the way that the Cabal are now put them, uh, have put themselves together. And it's this, again, interesting dichotomy between, uh, I feel, uh, between us and the Cabal a little closer than most of the other races that exist at the moment. I think we are so similar in, in how we act minus like the, the peril causal stuff with the hive. Like Mm -hmm. I I just, yeah, it's just really an interesting way of presenting this mirror image that can happen. Like which way could we have gone? 
Like if, if you think of it from the perspective that the speaker is the one that ended up unifying us, but we had the warlords beforehand, that's your war leaders. And now you get the guy that comes in speaking peace. They had the same thing happen to them. And it's just a matter of how it was handled. Mm-hmm. I like that parallel. Mm-hmm. It's, just, <laughs> it's just one of those things that you just kind of sit back and let soak in a tiny bit. Like, yeah, it's. It also begs the question of what happens now that the person speaking peace is gone. Well, the other thing is, is that, I mean, yes, that's, that can lead to some interesting things that could happen later, but we are on such a precipice all the time in our own. Oh, please. No, come on. you two. <laughs> <laughs> Namely. Osiris. Now, granted, I've I've already warned against that one, but anyway. Right. I mean, yes, that is something that could very, very likely happen. It's the, I'm just, the fact that he typed it into chat like three times in all caps <laughs> very, very quickly. Osiris, Osiris. It's like Beetlejuice, make him come forward type thing. Um, Osiris, I called. Osiris, Osiris. Mm-hmm. Shut up, Toland. <laughs> Ah, yes. Oh, Toland. But But um, it's the precipice on which we we constantly find ourselves as far as either a moral standpoint or just Mm -hmm. a survival standpoint. Our our decisions could go either direction. We could end up like the Hive. We could take on the Faustian deal. We could also end up like the Cabal where we have a emperor dictator type situation that is that goes bad i mean we have hints of that already within our society oh yes we also have the three queens which that could be another fun thing to dive into as well which that takes me to the spin foil you ready for this okie doke all right so pull out the thing about the general again all right gotta get there Okay, so look at her name. Amun Arath. She is. You are not going this way. I am definitely going this way because it is not necessarily something that could seriously happen, but it definitely piqued my interest when I was reading through it because I was just like, this sounds like the rebirth or reincarnation of one of the queens. I wouldn't go. You mean you mean one of the siblings? I wouldn't. The one yeah, of the one of the, yeah. one of the oh, okay. reinstances of her. Not not not. We have no example in the universe of them reinstancing in a different shape or form, other than hive. But the well, the embodiment but we of the war. <laughs> we do. Savathun did it. Uh huh. Savathun did it with the uh, wish dragons. Mm-hmm. That's how she infected them. Was she disguised her? Uh, it wasn't her bit. No, the bishops were the ones they were fighting. She she yeah. disguised her followers and herself as dragons and infected their basically their political system and ate them from within. Necessarily, how that was the case is still right. Right, I mean, of course, up for debate. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it was necessarily mm-hmm. that they changed their form 
but I think it was something where they could communicate with them in the same way. Or, Hence, again, Ahamkara and Worm Gods being well, the same. But, moving on. but the thing well, is, is that also, I mean, that also begs the question of who's really the seat of individual self there. Is it the worm? Right. Because then you could actually say that they did burrow into something. Yeah. Their worm actually transfer, transferred. Well, um, I'm going to say then, you could say that their worm did or a uh, spawn yeah, of that spawn worm of, with yeah, the, right, right. yeah. But yeah, that was just my thought is like, okay, this, this lady is very much so Zivu Arath-esque. Well, and I can still tie it back to something. I think that you're, I think you're absolutely back on something. Um, I'll read what uh, Vero has here, and then I'll go ahead and uh, kind of claim my point. But Sabathun also said, uh, actually, up quite a bit further, I guess. Uh, Blue, you're following a little bit more. Oh, yeah. So uh, Vero, Vero was just saying, um, like, the main thing I was saying is, like, in chat, Vero was saying, Sabathun also said she had to leave Oryx in order to grow differently. Okay. And Zivu right. might have done the same to the point where her breed was no longer quote unquote hive. So I mean, it, it's just, I was, yeah, it's just the context of which, mm-hmm. what they mean by grow differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I could, I could kind of see something like that. And that's mm, kind of where I was going in the sense that we know that we're able to tell and understand these stories from the Oxa machine. So the question is how far back in time, the events of fundament and the events of, uh, some of the other conquests of Oryx happened. Could it be that uh, the the general ended up basically taking her her name and altering it, her family name, and altering it from uh, what it was before, and saying this this Zivu Arath person is really cool sounding and would fit my family name a lot better because she's very warlike. I don't and. That begs the question on whether or not the information was shared outside of the Emperor, outside of the Oaksa machine. I mean, also, would a general want to know that knowledge when, I mean, it's a very disseminating type thing. It's a very high thought process. Not saying she wouldn't, but... Well, and, and this is again where I would question it and would almost call it as a coincidence or something where it would be an adaptation of that notion, or just be like everybody is kind of saying in this regard, where it is uh, something where uh, uh, Zivu had grown in a different way, and she just doesn't know it. But if that is the case, that would institute this idea that she has no idea that this uh, this hive or another uh, species has already infected the Cabal. Which is something she is 100% against. I wouldn't necessarily... What I was going is not necessarily that she herself is infected with the hive. More so that she is the embodiment of that ideal that Zivu had. When I said infected, I think that might have been the wrong word. But more they've they've gotten themselves into that idea and like Zivu's uh the her her spawn or the the hive that follow her would definitely follow the idea of like being warlike mm-hmm. uh i think that would that that's more where i was kind of leaning for it um 
but no, this 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 idea, quite possibly that the hive could be within the warlike nature of the cabal, uh, would also end up going back to like how how many years the hive would be out there, or how long the distance is between like the um, what's it the the gift mast and when they split up. We that do would be have... the. Sorry. Um, we do know that the the emperor has seen a like a thousand years at least, or he talks about seeing a thousand years. I'm gonna say says over millennia, like mm-hmm. he's been alive for for millennia's time or something. And then the the other question would be, well, does this uh, does this nectar have any relation to like the the royal jelly of the hive as well? There's mm-hmm. so many parallels that get drawn with it, like mm-hmm. how. How much is it that that is taken from from these other worlds? Because we know for a fact the scions are just the the tip of the iceberg when it comes down to like what other things they may either uh, utilize or or take underneath the Cabal Empire's wing. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I'm going to keep going with that tangent all night if you let me. But that's okay. It, again, this is just a spin foil and a fun thought completely. game. I and that yeah that was something that entertained me for quite a while at work going oh 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 no <laughs> no oh, I picked no. up on that I, I picked up on that last name I was like you're not gonna go this way mm-hmm totally but, and that's one of the fun things about having somebody who likes spinfoil and I yay mm-hmm well do you want to kind of wrap up blue do we have any dispatches or anything uh, we did not. Uh, we did have one dispatch over on Twitter, but it was related to the pools of light on the subclass mission, which I think we were we kind of con- we had a conversation on Twitter. So, um, not not regarding the hit list, we did not. But okay, um, Beard. What about do you want to do lead us in the shoutouts real quick? Um. Uh- I don't really have too much outside of the fact that Guardian Con tickets are now live. Mm-hmm. They are ready mm-hmm. to go. Uh, it was the place that I ended up meeting these lovely people and had a chance to uh, start to, to really get into the community a little bit more. Uh, it is an awesome experience if you could get out there. It's going to be held in Tampa again, uh, July 13th and 14th. Uh, give yourself a day before and a day after. Trust mm-hmm. me, because it's a good freaking idea especially if you have too much beer that's left over and you have to leave some of it in the hotel what i don't know what you're talking about mm-hmm. um but the it, it's a great experience i think it's also for an extremely good cause because it goes towards st jude's uh children's hospital they have helped my family immensely in my uh my family's uh time with uh their their children and so on uh it is a very very good a uh, place to endorse. It's a very good charity. Uh, when somebody basically goes in, they don't spend a dime. So again, a very good charity to go back for. Uh, that's my major shout out. Guardian Con, get prepared, get psyched. It is to me one of the best experiences as a as a Destiny player, as somebody of this fan base and community uh, that you could kind of take part in. Awesome. And Green, what about you? Uh, speaking of charities, coming off of last weekend and my sugar high of playing uh, Chubby Bunny twice <laughs> on stream <laughs> in front of the internet. It was hysterical. It was awesome. I still have marshmallows. I don't know where they're <laughs> at, but I still have marshmallows. I looked up on my TV the day after and I had crystallized marshmallow goo 
my TV is like three feet above me up on the wall oh. and about three and a half feet in front of me. So I don't know how I spewed marshmallow goo that far to where it would crystallize on it. <laughs> but I had to get the squeegee and clean that. But uh, the hive, the talking... hive has jelly. The cabal, oh. have, the cabal oh. have the wine of the Sindhu, and Green apparently oh, has marshmallow. Marshmallow, goo. yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the charity stream went awesome. And speaking of charity, if you are wanting to help out with any sort of charities, a good one to help out with is actually the one that. Beard was talking about with St. Jude, and they're actually starting to collect money for that now, even though the event isn't until July. It's where you can raise money now. You can start your own stream team or do a, a walk a thon or do the old fashioned door to door thing and raise money for it by having people go and uh, visit the link and everything. You can start helping out now if you really wanted to. Other thing is book club. Um, the poll is up. Blue mentioned that at the top of the the three hours ago <laughs> about how he we're sorry. Has we're sorry trade. that we had so much fun. On this it's topic, a, it's good conversation. It's good conversation, definitely. I'm but uh, I no, totally, I totally endorse the poll. I totally endorse the poll, especially the last option. Because I put an option there that said it's Blue's choice, which is dangerous. Now, you may wonder why I don't put like Green's choice on there. I'm the one who makes the poll, so all the other choices are my choice. This, this is one of the few polls that I don't make. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's like, I'm okay with any of the choices on the poll. Then there's Blue at the bottom. Anyway, uh yeah, get tickets for Guardian Con. I'm going. I know Blue got tickets. I'm pretty sure Beard did. Speaking sure of, did. oh my gosh, speaking of Beard, at the beginning of the whole show, you mentioned Beard's note taking. When I first met Beard, he had, was it two or three notebooks? Two. I had two. I am now up to five. He I was had say, two. I think you have, yeah. Oh my God. Two notebooks full of just, and Beard writes small. He does not write large. He writes small, full of notes on D1 Grimoire. I was I was blown away. Bife was blown away. He treated it like it was the holy text. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. And Blue, speaking of notes, I just uh, got that journal too. So oh, did, ha-ha, you get, I got did you get it? Nice. Mm-hmm. I, I got it in the mail I, today. I sent the link to Bife because he was he was so excited to see those. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say as soon as you showed them, I think I've already made the comment that I was like, <laughs> I so feel mad. like I want to <laughs> grab those and transfer everything I have done <laughs> to they're those so books. They're, they're so the, nice the thing, looking. The thing in question, and they're not expensive too. That's the mm-hmm. thing is like ten dollars like is 10 ridiculous bucks. for yeah. that. Uh, Think Geek has uh, grimoire journals, and they are they are blank. They're not. They're not. There's nothing in it, but it's it's mm-hmm. a hardback journal that has the 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 class or the van the, the all three class logos um, on the inside. And I mean, it's 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 a qual. It's a nice little journal. Like it is a nice. Mm-hmm. I think there was how many pages did we? There are uh, 232, uh, 232 pages 
So yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty decent, and it's a decent size too. So, mm-hmm. but not too big, not too small, just right. Anyway, blue. You want to um, close this out? Yeah. So Discord's uh, Discord for next week is going to be on the collapse. I know that we have had a lot of people ask us, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually tweet this out a number of times too. I know that there's a lot of people who are new to the Destiny family. Um, first off, welcome. Second off, if you have questions of where all this stuff kind of started, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about next week with the collapse. Um, you know, we're not going to go back all the way to the Golden Age. We already have an episode on that. Um, but we're going to be talking about the immediate after effects of some of the events that led to the fall of the Golden Age and the collapse and then kind of leads into the Dark Age, which we also have an episode about that. So we'll basically be rounding out the intro aspect of what exactly happened to create the world of destiny, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, if spoilers. You have, yeah, it's spoilers. Hey, everything fell apart. Um, uh. the, uh, <laughs> it was not. Anyways, um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make that comment. Uh, it was not Rasputin. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still amazed that I'm like in apparently the minority on that that argument. But the uh, if you guys have questions, especially questions, especially questions, I know because a, a lot of people who are coming into Destiny Two fresh, they don't have the exposure that Destiny One, both in game and in the grimoire, gave us about the collapse. Um, please, please, please send us any questions you have um, or thoughts about it. Uh, I, I promise I will be nice to you, even if you disagree me, disagree with the, the factual case of Rasputin not shooting the Traveler. Um, we'll explain next week, we by will the explain way. That, we will explain that next week. That's, that, that is a big thing that we will explain, is Rasputin is, Rasputin is pretty heavily involved at the start. Um, he's not, he mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot in there. Um, but yeah, so if you have any questions, can, uh, thoughts, comments on the collapse, please send them net, that to us. And then let's see. I think that's really it. Uh, be sure to vote. We are throwing both the regular weekly poll up this weekend as well as the monthly extra lore uh, next and week. Oh yeah, and book mm-hmm. poll. Yeah, every every month we we start the the extra lore over. Um, and so next week we'll have the extra episode. Um, and then also we will be resetting that chat to whatever wins this weekend. But yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Yes, Varun. <laughs> we have we have a, a plethora of polls this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that's it. Let's run through an outro real quick and we can stick around for a little bit of an after show. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes each week, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new and improved focusedfirechat.com. Thank you again, Beard, for joining in on the conversation. I'll be sure to get your contact information up in our show notes for this week for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. And please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast. And let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedbacks and a rating on iTunes as well. Also, make sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.